0: All right, three, two, one. Mm-hmm, this is a tasty burger. I'm Adam <laughs> from YMS. This is Sardonicast. Hello, everybody.
1: Hi, it's me, Alex from HG, Um, And yeah, nice energy.
0: Thank mm, that, you. That, that's one of the great lines.
1: Yeah. <laughs> um. <laughs> mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, kind of a Kind of a wacky episode we got this time. mm mm-hmm. um, we're missing a Ralph. Uh, he's out sick. Uh, he should mm-hmm. be back for the next episode. Uh, but, yeah, it's just, it's just us for this one.
0: The dynamics have changed. Yeah. It's a different vibe.
1: You were you're, you're messaging me. Yeah, just, just the other week you were messaging me saying it's, what, nearly five years. So, that's pretty pretty good going of all three of us being in every episode. Yeah. Like, that's, that's actually kind of wacky. A
0: pretty consistent five years yeah <laughs> man yeah like f- yeah this february i think so i think the channel was created in january of five years ago 2018 i guess man um, and then the first podcast re- was released sometime in february
1: yeah. oh, that's a lot
0: yeah <laughs> it's, it's, <laughs> like yeah so many things in my life have changed
1: yeah, no, straight up. It's just like a blink and miss it thing. Five years, just as you get older, just boop, just feels like one year.
0: It it does, but it also kind of like feels for like forever. There's some things that With I've how been, much like stuff has happened, yeah. Yeah, there's some things that like once it becomes a part of my routine, like if I'm doing something for like, I don't know, three months, I'll be like, what? I swear I was doing that for like a year. hmm Yeah. So time time can be tricky in both directions, I think. Yeah, yeah. I don't feel like I've reached full like Synecdoche, New York yet. I think I'm still f- doing fine. <laughs> uh, yeah, just at the border. It's kind of like I think, I think I'm still experiencing like <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I with it, there's still a bit of echo here in my new setup. Unfortunately, I actually stayed up quite late last night um, installing some adhesive tape with foam like acoustic foam uh, uh you'll let youtuber foam up yeah, yeah yeah i found what i thought was like i don't know a good reasonable price per foam on amazon and you know one that seemed to have a shape that that probably worked and uh i installed them and even after i just set them up it wasn't like you know i was still getting some echo i probably not as much as mm. i am right now because uh most of them fell uh, so I need to get oh, better man. glue with the adhesive tape. It's not that the tape was bad, so I just sent you a picture. Uh, by yeah. anyway. It's not like like the tape sucked, it's that because it's trying to attach itself onto foam, and there's like it's mostly air that it's trying to attach itself onto, they it just like yeah. peeled off overnight, which is kind of annoying. The tape's yeah, still I, on the wall. My,
1: uh, I'll send you the brand of double sided tape I use because mine have been up like oh, yeah, securely.
0: Yeah. You think it's
1: the tape? Yeah. I, I, I think it might be because okay. mine have like been pretty consistent. They only fell down when it got like really hot in summer, and like one or two panels like <laughs> melted down. But uh did yours come all like shrink wrapped? Because uh, yeah, I remember the last time I bought like a big like bulk lot of them, I had to like put them all in the in the bath. Like you had to put water on them to expand them, and then wait for them to dry. It's like a whole process.
0: It said there there were two options: you either do that, or you just leave them out of the shrink wrap for like 24 hours and then they expand naturally which was fine but it, oh, it okay. smelled like yeah, shit yeah. like the chemically smell oh, yeah. i left it in my room and i was just like holy shit i i could tell when i left the room and came back and just opened the door and like oh and i couldn't breathe so i just i stuck them mm-hmm. in the in the garage for a few days and then now it's fine but yeah I, i'm thinking what i'm gonna do is uh use some glue which won't ruin the wall because i'll be gluing it to the existing adhesive tape which seems to stick to the wall pretty fine so uh, okay
1: yeah yeah i used glue the first time i did it and it was oh, it was of such a pain in the ass getting that off uh mm. <laughs> i had to like sandpaper it scrape it off that's annoying maybe it'll be better on that tape yeah yeah, yeah.
0: The, the most annoying part is me having to like pull out my entire desk again mm. which is like just heavy and i don't want to like disassemble everything <laughs> you know yeah yeah so, eh, whatever. So, speaking of uh, painful chores, my brother and I yeah. actually beat uh, Halo Infinite <laughs> recently because they finally released the co-op campaign. Uh, something that, I don't know, is maybe a crucial part to the experience of Halo. Uh, every Bungie game had local co-op from the get-go. Um, yeah. Then 343... Yeah, they patched it in. Yeah, three four three decided no co op in Halo Five, and I cannot tell you how many people I know that bought Halo Five expecting to be able to play co op locally, but like locally, yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. And then we're just like, what? How come I can't do that?
1: Like, <laughs> yeah, to be honest, in a weird way, they were kind of saved because uh, like <laughs> that, that campaign ain't all that. But yeah, yeah, it is a bad precedent.
0: I know like three different couples that were like, we bought this game and the xbox so that we could play this together and then we found out we couldn't because it would be a shock I mean, it it's like what, why wouldn't it, you have that in the newest halo game it's obviously a thing it that
1: is to defined the whole franchise like from the beginning the land parties the whole like going around a friend's house and playing the cat that was like yeah. the whole thing like I'm, oh I, i'm i am hyped to hear what you think of this campaign because honestly i haven't touched this game around since it came out um and just the more time that passes the more it's souring in my head and i just my takeaway is just just get this franchise like a new voice or or something it needs to be like taken away from the studio because they just don't seem to get it they really don't
0: it's genuinely like embarrassing (laughs) it's really it's (laughs) really like holy shit wow and like constantly throughout the campaign you're reminded of this whole 343 mantra of like we really want to get inside the character of john and it's like okay (laughs) there's a billion reasons why that sounds like a bad idea (laughs) and it betrays the, the spirit of the rest of the franchise obviously but then you look at their attempt at even doing that and you and i think like okay even if you had that bad idea you could have a writer or director that could turn it into something not nearly as shit as what these this crew created of just like the most cringeworthy yeah. embarrassing dialogue and like the story <laughs> apparently just like a lot of things happened in between Halo 5 and this game <laughs> and they just say like oh wow all those interesting things happened and they just don't show it
1: and like I can't remember did you ever finish Halo 5 or did no. you just give up on that No
0: one? I dipped at the yeah. beginning of level 2 so I never even I figured it wasn't that important yeah. if, like, Master Chief's not even in the game, and it wasn't fun to play. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but that was kind of the issue. That they'd written themselves into such a corner, they'd, like, shit the bed to such a degree. that uh, Where to start Halo Infinite, where... Like, you think about it, it's their, it's their third game in their, yes, like, equivalent franchise. Like, think about how Halo 3 starts, right? It's like just continuing the story it's like right where you left off you know what's set up and it's like just a basic just okay let's just keep going like this is lord of the rings or something let's go here it's like they've got to reestablish everything again and they've done that in every single 343 halo game yeah every one of them has kind of a different aesthetic different characters different visuals different music
0: it's like it's like just bouncing all over the place yeah they're just throwing things at the wall and hoping something sticks yeah so they like Cortana's dead, and they have other Cortana, but it's not Cortana, and she's more annoying and stupid. And she just like yeah, she's constantly like, <laughs> got these sarcastic little like quips, like just like, constantly complaining. <laughs> yeah, but what
1: what you just said about like the Cortana death and trying to add like uh, more oh, yeah. character to Chief or whatever they they already did that in Halo Four, like that was. Yeah. <laughs> That was they really attempted that, and it didn't really work that well. And now, I guess, man, the the Halo fan base is like so desperate, and at least it like it looked like a Halo game a bit more. Like the the art direction was a bit more in line, so people, I guess, were more okay with it. Because I mean, if you look at reviews for the campaign of this game, it's weirdly high, like high eighties. And man, I I really don't know what people are experiencing or smoking. Like,
0: I think most people don't give a shit about this campaign story and are just like in it for the multiplayer. And even the campaign, I think most people experiencing that are probably just enjoying the open world, like constantly never ending quests of like, Oh, you clear this base and you get a thing and you can upgrade and then you can get weapons and blah, blah, blah. This sense of like progressive achievement that a lot of people who play video games really love. And so there's some things that they did well in terms of, like, making it something that people would want to turn on their console and play <laughs> for. Um, <laughs> high bar. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it is it is for them. <laughs> yeah, true. <laughs> it, is, it didn't happen with the last game. Um, so, woo, way to go, 343. <laughs> three. But yeah, I, I so I, I will give it some credit in the sense that, like, if all you're looking to do is just... Dick around and like kill some covenants, you know, and it feels like kind of like you're playing a Halo game. And there's a grapple. The grapple's fun. Um Then you know those things that they make they make for some fun stuff.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm torn on that grapple hook, man. I feel like the grapple's like a it's a fun idea and premise. It's fun in like Doom Eternal or Titanfall or a myriad other games that mm-hmm. kind of designed around it. But I feel like it. Kind of defeats a lot of the fun of like what made those original games work. Like, did you notice how like vehicles like they're basically irrelevant? They're redundant now. You you can you have a grapple hook that recharges in a couple of seconds, and when you get yeah. good enough with it, you can basically just fly around any environment. Yeah. and just defeat anything with ease. You'd have to take it away.
0: I liked some of the vehicles, and I liked the, the what was it, the gun goose or whatever. Um yeah. and I obviously, you know, ghost is fun. Uh my big problem is that the environment was kind of like death stranding. <laughs> Where it was like, uh, like, yeah, like, like, like yeah. Am I not supposed to have a vehicle? <laughs> and so you just kind of resort mm. to using the uh the grapple hook to get everywhere because your vehicle gets stuck on like the tiniest rock. And unlike at mm. any other Halo game, it's like, okay, well, I'd be able to just, like, reverse and go forward or, like, bump it a little bit and then, it, you know, get it unjammed and just keep yeah. going. But this game, it's like, the the design of the maps are just so fucking stupid. I have to assume that, like, <laughs> a big chunk of it was just, like, eh, procedurally generated or something like that. Like, not real design. Or, like just randomly designed in a way where they weren't considering whether or not you should be able to use a vehicle it's like yeah what is the point of a vehicle anymore like you can only bring it so far like you can't bring it to like the next base because you'll just get it stuck yeah. along the way like it it's an absolute rarity that you'll still be able to have your vehicle by the time you get to somewhere you're actually trying to go which is it's just yeah. insanely infuriating <laughs> for a halo game especially in theory,
1: I'm kind of okay with there being open world elements implemented into the design. Like they they did it in ODST a little bit, but it was like very limited and, you know, brief, mm-hmm. but th- it seems like it came at the expense of that linear campaign with the, you know, the more linear design missions where it, it's more guided and they can have the set piece. They can have the moment where a, a huge ship comes down and the, you know, the gravity goes crazy and things are flying mm-hmm. everywhere that there's like nothing like that. Like, in, in the linear missions, especially, of Halo Infinite, they all just kind of blend into one. It's all, yeah. like extremely forgettable. It,
0: it was kind of... By the time we hit the end of the game, I was like, oh, we're near... I guess we're near the end of the game right now. <laughs> it's like, it didn't really yeah. feel... Like, what's the standout level? Like, there there isn't one. There is no stand... There's no memorable level at it's all. It's just
1: things you do in the map that are kind of fun and silly with the grapple hook and just, like, jumping around and being dumb. Yeah, you're yeah. you're
0: completing your checklist of of just quests that you need to do and none of them are like unique or interesting they're just kill the bad guys over here kill the bad guys over here
1: yeah it's more like far cry or something it's bizarre for a halo game to for that to be the the hook yeah
0: and far cry the maps are way better design (laughs) from what i've played oh
1: yeah 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 much better
0: i played the third game at least which seemed to be their first like kind of open worldy that's the one one. if you're gonna play any yeah yeah Yeah. i've heard good things about some good things about four anyway but yeah i mean like you can still have an open world environment and design it in a way where it's like oh yeah here's here's how you would get from all these different places with a vehicle That's kind of important, you know, like you should take note of what tools should be at the player's uh, disposal and think about how they're going to use them in the map that you've created. It seems like a lot of teams within 343 were maybe just either working independently or there were enough changes along the way that a team designing for one thing in mind is no it's no longer ideal because somebody else changed something and then added something else and you know like i don't know it just seems like one of those things where nothing feels purposeful nothing feels important you kind of just threw it together and some parts of it worked but overall it's like yeah not really a campaign yeah so you played not co-op i assume
1: well no yeah it wasn't an option when i was playing I would yeah. have, but it's long, like out of my conscience now uninstalled, and uninstalled. Yeah. I, I don't
0: know. <laughs> it's not really. So it's it not... took them forever to make co op. Yeah. And even within co op, there's certain things where I'm like, did you guys even like test play this? Like, is this going to get pat? Like, <laughs> they clearly just, it, it was designed as an afterthought. So if you are not the host player so if you're in someone else's party and you're just joining the game as a co-op and so my Mm. brother was always the host player marines won't follow you or get in your vehicle so I could never drive a vehicle and have marines in it it would always be my brother would have to drive the vehicle if we wanted marines to join us because it recognized him as the like (laughs) the actual master chief I guess yeah which is just so lame (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah, it never used to be like that. You could have four people on, like, separate mongooses in, like, Halo 3 or, like, driving around with yeah. AI on the back. Yeah. It doesn't seem that complicated, it?
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, just things that existed in the other games. And it's not like, oh, we don't know how they possibly could have done it because they made the Master Chief collection, which is just they have all of the source code and files and everything they could possibly want from the previous games yeah to be able to like dissect it and see what happened and how it worked like they literally remastered you know reskinned skinned the other games so it's not it shouldn't yeah. be a mystery to this team so <laughs> <laughs> it's, yeah it's like they hate halo
1: it's crazy it's like they're assembled from the beginning to like dismantle it and just use yeah. the namesake and just <laughs> just put something together and like try and reinvent itself and so it's like, no yeah. just a real guilty spark uh, yeah yeah but i want to know uh because i i doubt you played like halo wars 2 right because
0: <laughs> uh no but i played a bit of the yeah, first one
1: that's like a crucial part of the story kind mm-hmm. of it, that's where the villain is like established like atriox
0: who made halo um, wars 2 was it a 343 game or what
1: it was a 343 and i want to say a certain affinity um combo it's it's an it's an rts so it's not like
0: yeah, yeah.
1: um it's like kind of a combo team. they
0: didn't have any involvement with the first halo wars did they
1: no i think that was a different yeah team i think that was ensemble or something uh, yeah i don't
0: think 343 had existed yet
1: no but but my point being um the, there's that there's that opening cut scene isn't there in halo infinite where like it's like a pre-rendered thing and it ends with like that big brute character who like nearly kills him or something and then he's like teased as being dead and then it shifts to like a different villain this like screamy monkey mm-hmm. guy um <laughs> what was that like for, if you like didn't play halo wars 2 surely it was like a Like a what? Like, what is happening right now? (laughs) I I (laughs) didn't care. (laughs) I was
0: just like... Yeah,
1: it's like they were trying to rush to figure out some stakes. (laughs) Something. Yeah. Yeah. I was so uninvested. Uh, Yeah, the, the whole story in general. Yeah, well, tell me what you thought of, like, the the story as a whole like where it like goes like what and, fucking story
0: uh, like it was i was just yeah that, checked out i was talking over a lot of it just because i just <laughs> there wasn't anything interesting and occasionally i'd be like okay i'm gonna listen to this and then cortana would well not cortana would just say something so fucking annoying and i'd just be like oh <laughs> like there would always just be some absolute cringe oh yeah and then you know i'd hear steve downs again and i'd be like you know maybe now's the time to, like, to just replace it. He sounds like an old man. Mm. This is a real, which, like, which they could have done situation. <laughs> <anyways>. <laughs> you know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, I get it. James Earl Jones, you got the same guy, but we don't all last forever. <laughs> there's got to mm-hmm. be a time. Yeah, there's that cutoff point. Just fucking AI generate him. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, there's that cutoff point where it starts becoming, like, a bit sad, you know? It's like, ah. Oh yeah <laughs> just just let it die just like what's skip, the point let it rest
0: oh yeah and fucking what's it i don't remember the voice actress that plays cortana but her fake old voice is so bad
1: <laughs> oh right yeah
0: it's you yeah i mean i'm i'm old
1: <laughs> yeah oh what about like the whole? Um, because the, the flood monsters are like the the main villain of that original trilogy, but now that they're, they're stuck, yeah, they don't exist
0: anymore. Too difficult to program, exist. yeah,
1: clearly. Um, but they they're like teasing this new thing that's I can't remember the phrasing, but they say something along the lines of it's like. It's ten times more scarier than the flood. Like <laughs> their potential for
0: I don't remember that at the all. Universe. I don't even remember. Yeah, that. Can you, but you fight that in. like <laughs>
1: you, the last boss is that like weird creature. You know, it's like something we haven't seen before. A uh, a girl. It's, I don't know. It's like a bug thing. It's like a girl thing it's, it's like yeah it's supposed to be one of this new race
0: <laughs> no gamer has seen before <laughs> <laughs> yeah
1: i i can't even remember what it was called it was so forgettable and they were just like oh she
0: was just teleporting and she was not that difficult yeah that thing and it was kind of like yeah yeah.
1: And they were like, oh, this thing has actually been here the whole time, and it's even more ancient and oh, scarier than... that's funny. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they've like spent all the goodwill. Did not
0: leave an impression on me. Because we just did the boss battle of the fucking, you know, the big brute guy with the weird teeth. Yeah, yeah. And he was much more difficult than she was. Mm.
1: Yeah, he's running around with that hammer. And I was like,
0: why are you... Why Why is this the final boss if it's easier? Like, that's weird.
1: Yeah. Yeah, true. Yeah, weird is just... The, that's the word for the whole game. I mean... And, like, when did it come out? 2021. November 2021. Yeah. Man, and it's like... Well, we're in 2023 now, and it's like yeah. the same state. You would have thought there'd be some kind of... I thought they were going to go for some kind of destiny. Like, every few months there'd be, like, a, a new story to play or something like this, but... No. no. Now you can re, now you can replay levels. That that's like the last big patch or whatever. That's <laughs> crazy. You can replay levels at the time. Yeah.
0: Wow. They really like. I just I don't understand them at all because they they there's again you can just think of other dev teams and what they do, and there's a certain level of like I don't know expectation or hope that they would do something similar and just like oh i don't you know it's, they'll probably be doing something like this and then they just don't do anything and it's like you know they they spend like a year and a half just like include starting to include things that they s- said initially were going to be a part of the base game or like fixing things that were broken and it's like yeah. okay it's this has been forever and there's still just a lot of it's just broken
1: you don't see the competitors treating that their biggest IP. And you could probably make the argument that Halo isn't even Xbox's biggest IP anymore. Like, it, it, it doesn't have the gravitas it once does. I would say something like, even like Forza, Sea of Thieves, or one of these things that, that get more. Yeah, Halo's still <laughs> the biggest. <laughs> well, yeah, but that, that's what's so shocking though. You don't see Sony doing this for God of War with Mario, you know, like on Nintendo. So they don't, they don't treat their, their, their face like that. You know, it's crazy to me. And have you read anything about like the the behind the scenes of, of like Microsoft is like really reliant on contract work as a way to like, then they don't have to pay certain. Oh, uh, yeah.
0: Yeah. You know, I heard the about Benefits
1: that. to employees. So they have to be in like a 12 month rotation. So that, yeah,
0: which like <laughs> everybody is just trying to figure out that th- they spend the first six months trying to figure out like where the other person that they're taking over for left off yeah
1: (laughs) yeah so this is like insane code rot and like no one knows what's going on and it's truncated like to like yeah.
0: Seems like a bad idea. <laughs> and,
1: and they'd, they'd wedge themselves. Like it was supposed to come out when uh, the series sex came out. Um, mm-hmm. But like, they had to like, it, I think it like something to do with Halo, Halo Infinite was on the back of the box of the new console. Yeah. Like, that's how much it was riding <laughs> on it. And they, they had to delay it a full, a full calendar year after that point. And even, and even now, like it's still another calendar year later. And what we're talking about, patching in level replay.
0: <laughs> it's, yay it's actually
1: shocking it's shocking
0: yay we we got crow up they
1: needed to just like pack it up but i guess like they they would have spent hundreds of millions on this now
0: they have forge and so the community is going to be creating the most interesting parts about the game
1: <laughs> yeah like,
0: if this if the halo community didn't exist like you know you would be nowhere 343 yeah so they're at the point where they're like okay you make our game <laughs> so i guess things are yeah. going to be okay in some sense i played a couple of forge Future. maps there were some cool things um but yeah i love community driven games i don't know yeah i i have no idea how the forge works like i don't know what the limitations are in terms of what you can create but hopefully there's some cool shit i do i, I did one notice one thing that was kind of irritating though is people were creating um like scale uh uh one-to-one scale versions of other halo maps you'd see like oh like blood gulch Mm. or like some other thing and every single one of them that i see i'm like the textures are too shiny did you not include non-shiny textures in forge (laughs) like what what's happening here like why Mm. why is every single one of these like way too shiny yeah so i don't know what i don't know what the limitations are on that but hopefully they I guess fix that.
1: But yeah, that was that was one of the things. Uh, Halo Reach, um, which actually did release with a full package and forged like on release day, mm-hmm. like that was one of the problems with yeah. that. With they built like a bunch of the old maps in Forge, but they all looked a bit like kind of samey in the same kind of palette of, uh, kind of textures and things. Mm. Um, but you know what? <laughs> I'd take that any day, like a complete package. Like, what is the, what is the point of adding a feature, like a community feature like that so late when surely the biggest, uh, the, the, the biggest audience you're going to reach is when the game first comes out? Like, it, it's, it must be a fraction of a fraction. Like I, I don't know. Like I haven't looked on Steam lately, how many players it's pulling in. But I mean, it's going to be nothing compared to when it first came out.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's fucked. I don't. Yeah, um, there's no hope for three four three. This is. It, it was better than Halo Five. <laughs> Maybe <laughs> better than Halo Four You're in what? terms of like. You know, I feel like I could come back to this and, like, check out some Forge things or maybe, like, dick around in it. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Oh, I just I just searched uh, on the Steam charts. Um, the last 30 days, the, the peak was yeah. 7,000 people. Um, for, like, a Halo game, like, that's... It's really not good, is and, it?
0: And it had all of the hype. It had every reason to be successful. It just required them not... Absolutely shitting the bed. <laughs> that's all that's all that it required was just yeah. not massively fucking up. Yeah.
1: And like all the key players are like just trickling out of the studio and it's like there's barely anyone left. Like Yeah. <laughs> They've a they have a few people at the top, but I've I've I I feel like trying to salvage the game would just it's like a waste of time. You might as well just start another one at this point, like <laughs> I don't know if you're going to have, like, a No Man's Sky, like, situation. No. where You can kind of
0: patch <laughs> it to it. Because you know, at
1: least No Man's Sky, like, it, no one ca- no one had any expectations. That's the issue, you know? So it was, like, this rags to riches kind of story of more redemption. Uh, whereas here, it's like, man, it's, it's just sad. <laughs> it's just sad.
0: Yep. Very sad. Let's talk about... Wait, do we want to give ratings for Halo Infinite, actually?
1: Ooh, good quick. You give yours first, so I can have a little thing What I'd give it
0: now? Fucking one out of ten because I just don't like them. I don't give a shit. <laughs> <laughs> Is it like yeah, I don't know. I, I don't want to give them any credit. They they disgust me. They're disappointing. I'm not. I'm not a professional game reviewer, so who gives a shit?
1: Yeah, man. I'd I'd probably give it something pretty low too. Maybe a two or three. If you if you include the multiplayer, maybe a four or five. Yeah, it's not good. Not good.
0: Yeah. It's disgusting. All right, let's talk about uh, Hellraiser 2022. Um, yeah, so this one came out a few months ago, but we hadn't talked about it. And I, like, as far as I know, Ralph still hasn't seen it yet. And so figured this would probably be a good time to uh, give a little blurb on uh, what we thought, because I was actually curious about what you had to say about it. So mm. I posted a review on my channel I guess we'll say if it's spoilers when it gets to it, but, um, yeah, I posted a review and I thought it was like a really refreshing horror movie. Um, I love David Bruckner. Uh, not everything he's made has been, you know, like amazing, but I've always connected with it in some way. Um, and he's always, each one of his films, there's always been moments where I've been able to be like really appreciating his directing within it. So
1: yeah, what did you think? Mm. I liked it. I think I'm, I think I'm a little bit below you because, like you, I, I I've been drawn to David Bruckner, especially with the ritual. Mm-hmm. There's something about that movie. I thought that was a unique setting. I loved the uh, the implementation of that uh, the creature in the movie. That kind of uh, I can't remember where they were in Sweden or the Netherlands or something. And that kind of myth angle. I, mm-hmm. I really liked that. Really creepy and cool and kind of unique uh, and kind of quaint. Uh, but Hellraiser is it's one of the, it's, it's a franchise which I don't really have much familiarity with. And I, I did watch the original, went back and, and visited that and before watching this one, uh, to see kind of what the, the general outline is with these, uh, these demons that they're like a weird cult, uh, with the, what's their hook again? They're like steampunk torture kind of, gods
0: they're like fetishists or something kind of but um yeah yeah it's like it's a weirdly kind of like
1: kind of cosmic horror
0: it's like yeah yeah that's a way to put it but so yeah they're in the first film the way that they kind of set up these cenobites i think is what they're called um
1: that's right yeah the cenobites they
0: don't show up until like at least halfway through the movie <laughs> in the first Hellraiser, yeah, and they're almost kind of like a neutral evil in a way where they're not even they're not even really like killing people because they're you know it's like their will it, it's like it's like they're using rules that were just set up before they existed, and they're just doing what they're programmed to do as like a machine yeah. kind of would but with some personality and just like, well, those are the rules sort of thing. And, and I mean like even in the first movie, they do kind of give uh, the main character like a chance to save herself. They're like, well, you bring us this person. Mm -hmm. So yeah, they're kind of, they're not really villains in a way in the first film. And so they kind of change that dynamic in the remake, which I'm all for because it's, you know, you don't need to use the same rules of, the first film when you're creating something new and i feel like it does serve its own narrative function in this way i don't i don't feel like yeah like i'm missing anything from that
1: uh it, it definitely kind of needed like a refresh too cuz how many of those original Hellrays there were like four or five <laughs> I, think,
0: I think there's probably at least five there's a lot of like straight to video ones that are apparently really shit is what people have told me
1: yeah exactly so i only felt like the first one on was really worth visiting but i was kind of of the opinion that i i I liked the original hellraiser a little bit more but i did respect the approach of this remake Mm -hmm. um well the the creature design is fun a lot of like practical effects in there honestly my biggest problem with it was just kind of how long it was i I didn't think it needed to be two hours i feel like uh, some horror movies like this with the kind of corniness they have with the goofiness they could they're just like perfect like an hour 45 around this kind of mark uh, I felt just like some of it was unnecessary for 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 what it's doing I mean yeah it was okay it has some memorable scenes I like the bad guy his like over the top kind of design mm, and Yeah, spoiler discussion I guess like the, 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 the device that was lodged in his chest spoiler. Oh, yeah, yeah sorry yeah um, yeah. Um yeah, The Bad Guy was fun and kind of like mustache twirly in in a good way. Uh,
0: yeah, yeah, it was it, there there's some kind of like, you know, campy elements to it for sure. Um and I feel like I was I was taking issue with um some of the presentation in the beginning, maybe all, all the way to the first third of the movie, maybe first half. Like there was kind of yeah. like this weird um kind of like trailery music where things were like a little too mm-hmm. like corny and intense in terms of how it was being presented. Yeah. But over time, I found like it was a really like respectful and honest and, you know, like k- kind of weirdly character driven in a way, the horror movie. Like I, I didn't, it's so rare that I find myself, caring whether or not characters get hurt or die in a horror movie because typically in horror films despite them being horror movies most of them are too afraid to present empathetic characters Mm. most of them are too like you see the average horror movie in the past like fucking i don't know 30 years or some shit and they intentionally make characters as annoying as possible so that when they die you're like yeah it's like it's so yeah, frustrating yeah. cuz i i think that true horror is having something taken from you that you like is having having the experience of of like oh shit hmm. i didn't want that character to die they didn't deserve it or like i actually feel bad like there's something there that I experienced during this film, that I that I realized as I was watching it, like fuck, I this is kind of what I've been itching for in horror movies for so long, is for me to see a character die and not want them to die and be like, holy shit, like fuck, this sucks, like they didn't de- they didn't mm. deserve it. They were just like kind of the roommate character. They were just there helping out. They like barely, you know, they didn't really do anything wrong, like, and they they got like a terrible, horrible, horrible torturous death oh, that yeah. lasted however long yeah, and it's like ripped apart like, by chains yes, or whatnot
1: shit. yeah but I guess I guess what it was for me was in, in that original Hellraiser I really loved that setup of like that that room and the guy like <laughs> forming himself slowly through like yeah, the different yeah. sacrifices and like, especially uh, there's, that, there's that really great scene early on there's like the rebirth scene and it's like coming out of the floor with the, mm-hmm. these practical effects and it's like really cool and fun um that that kind of was carrying it for me, like the the concept of it. Um, and then in this new one, you're right, it is much more kind of character focused, and I I liked the lead, um, uh, fair she was great. I liked her, the Odessa, uh, Azion. Um, but otherwise, yeah, it wasn't they weren't that memorable to me outside of her, if I'm mm-hmm. being honest. Um, and I I didn't feel like there was the like just that—that that simplistic kind of hook of like that—that—that that main goal of the character, like in that original, of like just just bringing the bodies in and like the the twisted like nature of that and the the weird obsession with this like affair and the the brother character and all this. Whereas, yeah, I I didn't feel that kind of uh, narrative thrust from mm-hmm. the new one as much. Because it's been like a few months since seeing this and honestly some of the details. I, I can remember that first movie quite clearly because, again, it's like an hour and a half long. It's simple. This new one, yeah. I remember some of the visuals. I especially remember the the way it concludes and wh- what they do with that villain character. Um, but outside of that, yeah, it didn't quite connect with me on the same level it has with you.
0: Yeah, that's very interesting. I feel, I feel the opposite way for both movies. I feel like I connected with really? the, the second one a lot more. And there's more about it that I have in my memory, whereas like the first one, like yeah, I you know, <laughs> I remember I remember things like like the premise and the gore makeup and yeah, it kind of gets like I really did not like the the ending of the first film. I thought that it was just kind of farted out and just and but but yeah, I, I mean like I guess also just like a huge part of it is like I I was never scared. Watching the first film.
1: Mm. Okay. I found some of, the, I did find some of the visuals in that original one scary when they're like in that hallway with that weird creature. And uh, it's it's that practical nature of like when they're hidden in the shadows and there's all this like weird red gunge everywhere. And, mm-hmm. Yeah. It's got a lot of like fun demonic in imagery, but then so does the new one to be, to be completely fair to it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I think that like, so I watched the, you know, the scene with that, like creature chasing them through the hallway. um, mm-hmm. I wasn't, yeah, like, I, I I liked the practical nature of that for sure, um, but I wasn't like, I wasn't like, oh, no, because, A, I didn't care about the characters, and I was just like, fucking kill them, like, I don't give a shit, <laughs> you know? Like, that that's a big part of it. Yeah, they're pretty paper thin. They were annoying and stupid. Uh <laughs> And, you know, not not all of the shots of the practical effects, like, worked great. I think that the the makeup effects for, like, the gore were fan- pretty fantastic in the original. But, like, some of them, some of, the, like, the puppets and stuff, like, you could see the puppeteer's feet, like, underneath as it's, like, chasing them. And, like, okay. <laughs> there's, a,
1: there's a particularly bad shot, like, towards the end. It's, like, a, a special effects shot. Yeah. It's, like, like, lightning or something like that. And it, it it looks, like, comically bad. But that was another kind of layer of enjoyment to me was, like, the... When did it come out? Like 87. It's just like a, it seemed fairly low budget and just kind of like shambled together and like weird details. Like, um, I think one of the, one of the characters was, I can't remember which way round it was. I think they were an English actor, but they dubbed all of their lines with like an American or something. Oh. Cause it was supposed to be set somewhere. Yeah. So like there's this one character who has got like just this crazy, like dub thing going on and it's like really distracting. Uh, yeah. Yeah obviously yes like this is a 2022 but there's a lot it's, it's slick it's like you're not going to see the seams in the same way you might from i mean things, like, campy
0: yeah with the right director yeah you don't there's a lot of films yeah. nowadays where you do <laughs> see the, the seams yeah, a lot um but yeah david bruckner is like super competent um very talented and like i'm i'm always excited to see new films from him and i'm you know just happy that he's creating more but yeah in terms of in terms of like the, I guess like the fear factor <laughs> in the new Hellraiser film, like there's there's some things that really connect with me in terms of what is scary to me. And so the mm. when the roommate character um, is like bleeding out in the back of the truck or whatever, the van, you know, she yeah. got stabbed and we get that like really slow, like, Shot where things sort start zooming out backwards and the walls are extending and she's like being, you know, kidnapped basically into the other universe. And it's not like, Mm -hmm. you know, there's so many other films that where it would just be like, boop, like. Oh what she like turns around and then turns back and it's like oh no things are different but the fact that it happens so slowly and you could hear her friends like get further in the distance and like echoing away and there was nothing she could do and she you know just absolutely helpless mm. that type of like fantasy cosmic horror of like oh there's there's you know other universes that that are there's there's basically magic <laughs> happening that is so powerful that you can't do anything about it. Like literally you have no escape. It doesn't matter if you run away yeah. from them. You have absolutely no escape showing that in that way was so effective and terrifying for me. Cause it, it really puts you into the perspective of like, Oh, I could understand, how experiencing this would be terrifying. Whereas, you know, most other movies, if it's just like snap of the finger, like, oh, you're in a new environment. Like, that's so overdone. And it doesn't really paint a picture in your mind. It doesn't really put you in the shoes of the character that you're watching. Things like that. And then, you know, I got to... I really have to respect the movie for ending in a way where there is like a bittersweet element to it, where um, it's, it's not just oh, she lost her brother and, you know, had the opportunity to to save him, but realized it was maybe probably a trick and that, you know, the resurrection thing probably wouldn't have worked out and blah, 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 blah. But Mm -hmm. the fact that they say to her at the end, like, you're going to live the rest of your life wondering what would have happened. And that, in its own way, is like a pretty horrific ending. The fact that she doesn't know for sure, the audience doesn't know for sure, Um, and although we can imagine and we can guess what could have happened, you know, if she could have actually saved him, if there was some sort of a way, the fact that the film is so clear about how it will be eating at her and, and she, you know, we sense it through the character and she's a great character and a great actor. Like it, it, it does a lot for me. I love that ending. I love the ideas that it's placing uh in my head and i think i think that that is a genuine horror experience where y- it it leaves you thinking about things in a dark way and i was also something that i never really got out of the first movie was wanting to experience more of the lore uh whereas in this film i was like yeah. oh shit like i wonder what would have happened if they pressed this and it made me want to like you know, check out some of the other Hellraiser films. (laughs) The first movie didn't make me want to do that. This one made me want to be like, oh shit, I want to, you know, I want more lore here. I want to like read some books about like what would have happened and, you know, how this works and blah, 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 blah. And I just thought, yeah, Mm. I thought it was like so cool and intriguing. Uh, And it's such a rarity for me to be like actively interested in like a universe, like a fictional universe with rules that is created in a current day form. Where you know, where I'm like, oh shit, I want to know more about it. You know, like mm. I I feel like that's great. Yeah,
1: yeah, I definitely see what you're saying with that side of it. But I get, I guess where I differ is more actually that fear factor. Like, mm-hmm. if I'm being honest, I'm, I, I, neither of them were really like frightening or scary to me. When we're th- when we're talking about cosmic horror, what comes to my mind, like I know, I know you didn't really like it, but Annihilation or uh, mm-hmm. even The Lighthouse to an extent or or the mist something like that you i, know, I did like, like
0: annihilation i just you know
1: yeah it's got its issues I,
0: th- I think it's worth watching multiple times i just didn't think it was amazing you know i respect it
1: yeah but these are the kind of these that's those were more like what you were just saying where it's like it leaves these these concepts that are going to stick with you and they're going to frighten you and disturb you in a way that isn't all just like mm-hmm. flash someone being ripped apart of chains or uh any, any of the silliness, um, it's more so, yeah, a bit more contemplative. Um, been saying that, yeah, I, I, w- I would happily see another one of these movies in this universe with this kind of style of direction and, and writing. I'm seeing, um, David S. Goya is credited. Yeah. Uh, for the story, which is quite weird.
0: He's credited in, like, fucking every story at this point.
1: Yeah, like, what... Yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm confused by like what he's actually... Is he just, like, doing the most basic outline and then, like, yeah, the other I guys don't come
0: know. in and, like, fill in the details? I don't know. He's but, got a solid lineup of work is what he's got. Like, he he's just... Clear, yeah, he's clearly has his friends. <laughs> he's got something that he's doing to scripts. Yeah, yeah. He's definitely doing something.
1: <laughs> yeah, I guess I'm just more surprised that... If I watched this and didn't know what you thought of it, I, I maybe wouldn't have anticipated this level of uh,
0: mm-hmm.
1: kind of affection for it. So yeah, yeah. I'm glad you enjoyed it. But for me, I'm just it, it wasn't on that level of like, I'm not thinking about this like in uh, in my dark moments when I'm looking in, you know, the corner of the room with the lights off. Like, yeah. I'm not
0: thinking about
1: these kind of concepts. I'd
0: gladly watch it again. Mm. Yeah, I think that it's a really effective, really interesting horror movie. And I fucking... I just absolutely love david bruckner so like, yeah like even on films where like I, I didn't completely connect with it and you know some of his films have like you know in the night house there was like some unintentionally goofy stuff and maybe some annoying stuff with the story but like there's always something super impressive like there's always at least one element of his films that's like really impressive so i don't know if you watched the night house i haven't seen that one no, no. okay so no matter what you think of it after you watch the movie, watch watch like the some of the special effects stuff because like the um, the set design uh, person posted some videos on Twitter that just like make it, everything look like way much more impressive than like in the actual fo- like there's some things that you are just such interesting shots but you're not sure how they're made and it's it's one of those things where it's like oh is that digital i guess that's just Mm. i guess you just did this whole thing digitally but then you look at the special features is like oh you actually you did this practically it's like one of those things that's like lost on you during the watch unfortunately because it's such a good effect that that it doesn't seem like they actually did it (laughs) okay but anyway. What about, um, what do you think
1: of his segment in VHS? Do you remember that? It's you the best,
0: it's the absolute best segment that, it's literally the best segment ever in VHS. It's the, uh, amateur night segment. Yeah. yeah. They, yeah it's yeah, never yeah. been as good as that. He's the reason why VHS is successful. This
1: Yeah. It's maybe the only one I remember.
0: Yeah. I mean, one of the big reasons. Yeah. There's a reason why they started yeah. on that one. Um, yeah. yeah highly recommend right. amateur night. Um... He had the best segment in The Signal 2007 film that's, you know, fun and campy. Um, Yeah, I just I'm excited to see him do more stuff. And uh, yeah, I hope it all goes well. When I watched uh, this Hellraiser film. I was like, I didn't even look what the IMDb or Metacritic or anything was on it. I was Mm. like, yeah, that was great. And then I open it up. I'm like, it's all just like so lukewarm, like 50, you know, like five point something, 50. I I'm just like, what? I'm like kind of disappointed because in my mind, I was like this, like everything that I've been complaining about and just wanting out of a horror movie. I'm Mm. like, oh, fuck, I'm getting some of it now and it's not a perfect movie there's flaws with it you know if anybody wants to check out my review i'll i go more into it there about you know some of the things i didn't like about the movie but yeah for it feels like i really you know i've been wanting these things out of a horror movie like being able to care about the characters and like some sort of Mm -hmm. genuinely terrifying existential sort of thing and i get these things i'm like yes yes and then i check it out i'm like nobody's impressed fuck i'm pissed off because i'm like well it's not my ticket that's gonna be funding the next film so i guess i'm just stuck here yeah. forever and like the things i i like just don't connect with other people so i just
1: like, <laughs> i wonder if they sandbagged it with the whole like original hulu
0: thing yeah it could have been like a theatrical effects. release so see it i i bet it was supposed to be yeah, before disney i think it, it. could I bet have it was been, one yeah. of those like fucking prey things Where they're just like, oh, straight to Hulu now. Yeah, yeah, you're right. So, sucks, but whatever. Fuck it. I hope he, uh, let's see what his next project is really quick before he's got upcoming. Oh, yeah, he's doing a segment in the newest VHS movie. So, VHS 85 is in production. So, that'll be really interesting. That'll be really interesting. I'm Mm. really excited yeah there's him and who else is directing oh scott derrickson which you know not huge on but could be interesting to see him do like a segment thing um i'm sure his will probably be like one of the better ones honestly
1: yeah i don't know how i feel about those vhs movies it's it's the anthology problem where it's like even if you have two out of like six or so that are like really bad at like
0: (laughs) Oh, yeah. It pulls down the whole project for
1: me, and I just don't even want to... I leak. know. <laughs> you know I, I, mean?
0: I know what you mean, but I, I feel like at such a low commitment. I'm like, at least this bad one will be over soon, and I can judge the next one. And as long as they're not all bad, like, I guess, VHS viral, then it's fine. See, I'd given up by then. Okay. <laughs> I never saw that one. I would say um, there's two really fun segments in VHS 99 that are worth watching for vhs 99 okay. was it was worth watching the f- first segment might make you want to unalive in a video game but none of them are as bad as the first <laughs> one and then there's yeah there's some good ones in there okay the first one is like how like <laughs> have you have you touched a camera <laughs> yeah god it's all over the place isn't it yeah Anyway, um yeah, ratings for uh, uh Hell Um yeah. Yeah, I don't remember what I gave the first one. I'll look it up.
1: Oh, for the original, I think I I think I gave it a yeah, let's do both. 3 star. Kind of more so down the middle. It's it's really campy and aged and old and yeah, it does have all the the dumb stuff that we kind of were talking about, but it's like a it was a million dollar budget or something. It was so like pretty low. Um but even in saying that it does seem older than it is, even saying like 87, there are plenty of great <laughs> horror movies from even before then, um, which look a lot better for less money. Yeah. I think a three star for that one.
0: Hmm. Gave that one a five out of 10, it seems, which I think is about fine. It's a movie that, you know, has some stuff that I appreciate about it. Uh, overall did not connect with me. Some good, some bad.
1: Uh yeah, and I'm, honestly yeah. I think I have the same rating for this twenty twenty two one. Um mm-hmm. three star uh yeah, solid. I enjoyed it. I, I wouldn't really revisit it anytime soon. It has its memorable moments, but yeah that that runtime and a, some yeah, just didn't connect with me the same way it did. And for that cosmic horror, there were kind of other other stories I'd I'd visit before this one.
0: hmm I give the new Hellraiser an eight out of ten. It's closer to a seven than a nine. Don't get me wrong, but, fuck, I really loved it. Oh,
1: an eight, cool. Yeah. Did you raise it from a seven? I, I, I feel like, it, did you start with a seven or something? I, I don't like know.
0: A, that's what it's an, an eight for. on my IMDb. Yeah. I'm assuming I gave it an eight in my video, probably. Okay.
1: Hell yeah. I'm glad you enjoyed
0: Yeah, it was, like, genuinely refreshing. It was like, fuck, I just wish, I wish that the things that I liked in this horror movie were things that other horror directors bothered to include or care about. I just hate this fucking like every other horror movie that exists. If you create a sympathetic character, they're going to (laughs) live, you know, you don't, Yeah, nothing bad happens to like any likable characters in any other horror movie. It's just like you intentionally make them as annoying as fucking possible. Like some like, (laughs) like, and it's like such a fucking trope. It like, I, I, for horror movies, you should be less afraid to show real emotion and real consequence. Mm-hmm. I feel like yeah. that should, like, it's, it, you're, stop being a fucking pussy, okay? You have a rated R <laughs> film for adults. Make an adult movie, not for baby brains, please. Thank you.
1: Yeah, yeah, it felt adult, whereas, like, we never talked about smile but
0: jesus christ that is a baby movie. <laughs> that, that,
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I, I haven't looked at how like successful it is but I, I just imagine i from the first second i saw like the trailer for smile i just knew
0: like oh, everyone's gonna see this god that it's
1: gonna be a huge success
0: yeah that's one of those I thought, well, it... sorry i'm speaking away from the mic because i was adding smile to the list of things we might want to talk about in the future <laughs> i thought that like uh i think it was weird because there was a moment in time where I was like, okay, yeah, for sure everyone's going to see it because it's, you know, everybody's seems like they're affected by creepy smile. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, you
1: had that marketing campaign. Yeah.
0: And it was it's funny because everyone's review was like, I thought this was going to be awful, but it was actually pretty good. It was one of those where it's like, oh, okay. So everybody was kind of making fun of it, but you know
1: uh yeah expectation yeah you know, they warmed up to it yeah people in my in my shame like people were like laughing at it like it seemed like at it there
0: were some um, parts that were just g- genuinely <laughs> like, super fucking funny yeah, yeah
1: yeah oh it made over 200 million worldwide off a of 17 million budget so we'll be seeing more smiles. oh
0: right? yeah yeah smile too smiles <laughs> smiles <laughs> Yeah, if I'll give I'll give a little quick review of this here. Why don't we in case we don't have time to uh, go into detail about it later. But like my all I really have the, the most definitive thing I can say about Smile is it is like perhaps the most derivative horror movie of the past. Like it's it is. Oh, yeah. The amalgamation of every horror film in the past decade to such a degree mm. where there is nothing original about it, every single scene, every single moment, every single editing choice, every single, like, every single bit, fucking fraction of this movie, has me thinking, oh, this is from The Ring. Oh, this is from Truth or Dare. Oh, this is from this it other follows. movie. This and every yeah. yeah, it follows. And every single time, it's done worse than the previous film, except maybe tr- Truth or Dare, <laughs> being mm. the only exception. <clears throat> and... It's it's just so frustrating how by the books and predictable and just like this is if you've seen any other horror movie in the past 10 years I don't understand how this could like be an effective horror movie. Yeah, there's
1: me. nothing surprising but yeah, yeah, it's the formula just stretched out like the the jump scares and like no, nothing ever really has consequence until like the very very ending. Like every single scare is like in a vacuum. It never like leads to anything yeah. really. It's yeah.
0: Yeah. If 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 Smile was a parody film, like that's what I was wishing it was by about halfway through it. Because <laughs> yeah, honestly, be great. like it almost if is you, scary movie, the scary movie franchise that was a parody of a specific uh, window in time of horror films. It was like the '90s slasher films. It parodied mm. Scream. I know what you did last summer, and it was this huge. Like, okay, this is a piece in time of what horror movies are culturally and we are playing on the tropes of those those horror films that's what smile was but it wasn't <laughs> trying to be funny and i feel like if it just if it just changed a little bit in tone and it had some extra jokes in there it could have been a fucking fantastic parody movie it oh, genuinely could have yeah, that no. birthday party scene oh yeah 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 literally unchanged oh. unchanged oh, yeah, and it would have fit It would have fit perfectly in a parody horror movie. You wouldn't have to change a single moment of that entire birthday party scene. Yeah, that's so true. Legit. So, yeah, I feel like there was a a better movie within Smile. Like, like you could literally edit it (laughs) into a better movie just by making it an intentional parody. Because in that (laughs) sense, it's genius. Because it's like, oh, you're clearly commenting on these endless obvious tropes from the past 10 years of horror movies like you're clearly (laughs) commenting on it but instead it was being deceptive and pretending like it was its own movie (laughs) which is just like not how you should have gone with it anyway it was successful though
1: and and i I know it's not like uh, anything to do with the quality of the movie but i I don't know what the uh, kevin bacon was thinking naming his daughter saucy saucy bacon (laughs) sausages and bacon it's like it's always cruel (laughs) that's pretty good.
0: I think I gave Smile like what, three. If we want to do ratings, I, I think
1: can. that was a one star for me. These are, like these are the horror movies that uh, they just really get under my skin mm-hmm. after about like an hour. It's like man, you really have nothing, do you? Absolutely yeah. nothing. Yeah, this is everything we've seen before. I wish it was more yeah, honest. I gave it a one.
0: Yeah, I gave it a three. One. I think that some of the actors were fine. Oh my god, remember A Train? He sucked. In <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh my god, A yeah, was, was so hilarious. poorly cast and bad holy (laughs) shit yeah but there were some good performances from some other people in it and yeah like it it wasn't as incompetent as it could have been but still yeah just like entirely unoriginal to such a degree where like you're not even really watching a movie anymore you're just like oh being reminded of other films that have existed there's not a single original molecule in this film's entire body so yeah
1: yeah, how many, like, what are the basic, like, human-type things they have left to even turn into, like, horror movies? We've had, like, the deaf guy, the blind guy... The, now the smiling woman like running out of, like these concepts like what is even left because <laughs> that's like a big thing in like creepy passes and shit isn't it like the smiling th- smile dog or whatever like that's always been like associated with kind of scary imagery.
0: It's all yeah, the creepy smile just freaks people out, which is just fun to me. I've never like. I, I get it to to like, I, I get like a tiny degree of it, but it doesn't really scare me. And so, it was always funny just like, I don't know, doing that in my videos, like my Frozen review. But then like people, mm-hmm. people would be like legitimately scared. They'd be like, whoa, you scared me. <laughs> like in the comments, like that was terrifying. Uh, and then I, yeah, yeah, I realized yeah. just how effective it was. And then they started making movies, just and that was the whole movie, like <laughs> Truth or Dare or Smile. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, you can literally just—that's the horror now. Like that—that's the horror movie thing is you just smile creepy, and that's that's it. That's the danger.
1: Yeah. I guess some people are just easy to scare.
0: <laughs> it, it, yeah. I mean, we're all working off of you know emotions, and some are baked into our you know, instinctual parts of our DNA and fear is one of those things. You can just, some people have phobias. Some people are scared of clowns, you know, apparently a lot of people are scared by people smiling. So, (laughs) (laughs) Um, all right, we're going to talk about Pulp Fiction. It was the film that I recommended. Um, I watched it in 4k on a television Mm -hmm. that has 4k on it. And I thought it looked great. And I hadn't seen it in a while. I think it's been probably, I don't know. I want to say somewhere between five and ten years since I've seen it.
1: Yeah, it's probably been about five years for me.
0: Yeah. But who knows? I don't have a great perception of time anyway. It's a classic. All right, let's move into our ratings. No, let's talk about it. Yeah. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Yeah, what's... What do you think? Any any new kind of revelations watching the film?
1: Kind of, yeah. Because obviously, it, it is one of those uh, osmosis movies. It's been like parodied to death in pop culture. Everyone knows it. All the lines, everyone yeah. knows. All the characters. It's, it's just, yeah. It's one of those <laughs> like, how do you find a new angle to even like talk about it yeah. at this point? But um, I, I was watching with, with someone, and when it ended, they asked me like, "Oh, so what do you think it's actually like about?" What is, what is the meaning of this beyond like, cause on a surface level, it is, it's extremely entertaining. You know, that the, the dialogue is good and fun. They're always talking about something interesting. It's full of typical like Tarantino violence and gore and, you know, blood and drugs and ev- all that kind of stuff you'd expect, which can get you in. But trying to come up with like, what, well, what is the film saying more so is really what I was like thinking about and trying to get out of it and especially like the the arcs of these these three main characters, be it, um uh oh Vincent, Butch and Jules. That's mm-hmm. right. Um and like where they take it and what what they're trying to say with it or what I think they're trying to say with it. I don't know if you want to delve into it now or
0: Yeah, spoiler discussion. Let's fucking it, do it.
1: it yeah, because it's it's an extremely ambitious movie. This is kind of, uh, it's structure. It's, uh, it's out of order. Characters will exist for just like a single scene and it's kind of jumping all over the place. Yeah. And it seems kind of non-chronological. I remember the first time I saw it. Yeah. Non-chronological. And I remember the first time when I watched it when I was much younger, when I would have been like, I don't know, 14, 13 and not really understanding what that, that, that kind of structure was, was adding to it. But it seems to me to be sort of a, almost a comment on the, the, the random and cruel nature of, of the world and trying to find some kind of redemption or, or or meaning in it and using these kind of three lead characters to, to make some kind of comment on it, whether it be Vincent, who's more of a, he's more chaotic. He, whenever anything kind of deep or philosophical comes up he kind of poo-poo's it he doesn't really want to Mm -hmm. indulge in it and he's more of a he's kind of more of a nihilistic sort of character he's uh like when he's like a heroin addict in the movie and it's kind of his fault that Uma Thurman uh has the overdose scene and like his first comment when that happens is something like uh oh fuck me and he's like clearly yeah. he's, he's 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 concerned for himself and like he knows because it's established earlier that Wallace is <laughs> will kill him yeah um,
0: that's that's how it, the stakes his, are his is more done. or less built <laughs> is is that it's yeah. not just like oh this character's dying it's like oh she's gonna die and i'm gonna probably get tortured Some you know
1: yeah yeah that's actually a good there's that scene early on um the one of the fetish kind of scenes where they're talking about foot massages for like a good few minutes exactly Um, but it has it has a good uh it brings out like a a good it's establishing um the villain effectively yeah
0: it's establishing the um, stakes clearly that's something that this film hmm. does really well
1: yeah and that's a that's a tell don't show thing at least at first and that's all you would need for that because eventually you are shown a lot of Mm -hmm the the Wallace characters kind of power in this universe and just this idea that um uh Jules he keeps he keeps like misquoting the Bible right am I wrong in that that like this this quote he keeps bringing up apparently like isn't even in the Bible oh that's right are but but like his version of it isn't necessarily like in the Bible I don't know I'm not like into scripture or anything so that's something I was reading in the trivia afterwards
0: which okay. is like well I did a, I did a funny go to- detail fucking bible confirmation but i don't have the whole thing memorized but i did notice that his phrasing from the beginning of the movie to the end of the movie his phrasing slightly different so that's something that i picked up on but yeah so i don't i don't yeah i don't know, I know how uh, accurate his translation of the bible is and also if we're being honest i don't know how accurate any translation of the bible is (laughs) there's been a lot of issues with that it's it's, what was it originally written in hebrew right like i don't know (laughs) true yeah that's 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 one like you
1: can go down yeah yeah of course it wasn't written in english so yeah that's a good point too but um yeah in his quote he says what is it blessed is he who in the name of charity and goodwill shepherds the weak through the valley of darkness For he is truly his brother's keeper and the finder of Lost Children. Mm. And through each of these like character arcs it's there's like this cool almost inconsistency where they're not static and they're they're flipping entirely. Like take the character of Wallace, for example, where he is this kind of like Kingpin esque character and he has all this power and he's like you you fear him at the beginning of the movie. Um but then when you when you go to the uh uh the the bondage uh What's it called again? The uh, the, gimp? the guy in the basement, the gimp. That's right, <laughs> the gimp scene. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, they take they Just take the out. most powerful character and kind of humiliate him.
0: Yeah, that's a very interesting direction. You don't really see you don't really see that in movies, except when it's like you know the like oh i got revenge like if it's the main character getting revenge at the end of the Mm. movie and it's supposed to be satisfying but this isn't even really a satisfying direction for the character like even though this is like a big bad like crime boss like you know intimidating character that you could say is kind of a villain in ways but you know um it's not like a satisfying scene it's not like hell yeah he's getting what it deserves it's like it's it's flipping the tables in in a way where you've changed the dynamic. You see the character in a different light, in a different vulnerability, and it change it kind of changes how you you know view the character in a way, especially by the yeah. end the conclusion of the scene and what ultimately comes of it.
1: Yeah, and the kind of like all these different characters get redemption in different yeah. ways throughout the movie, and Big all feeding into that was another question I'd never really thought about. Um, We're like what is the title of the movie actually kind of and What's it commenting mm-hmm. on? Um, and I think it's like the, cause Pulp Fiction means, uh, yeah, I got the definition up books about imaginary characters and events produced in large quantities and intended to be read by many people, but not considered to be a very good quality. Mm-hmm. So I think it's like an ironic kind of comment on, yeah. In, in, in a, in a typical piece of Pulp Fiction, like the characters will be simple and they will be kind of static and not really change but let's read between the lines and establish these characters and put them Mm -hmm. on all these kind of inverse situations and show that there is much more depth to like real humans and yeah yeah exploring that depth
0: also kind of taking characters that you know on paper if you were to give like a reductive surface level description of them they would fit into like these very sort of tropey and familiar roles that we've seen in many films, like okay, yeah. like hitman character, and like yeah, like you know, the kid tried to rip off the mob boss, or the boxer who's supposed to take the fall and doesn't, or you know, yeah. the like even even like the sillier aspects of like oh, I'm taking the the boss's wife out on a date and I don't want to, you know, blah blah blah, and it's like. You know, I I don't know how <laughs> how often that happens in real life, but um yeah. you know, it, it it does something much more interesting with these characters that, you know, otherwise would be just familiar things we've seen before. It's you know, it it's created this weird human humanization of uh these hitman characters where mm. you but yeah. you know, you don't often see in films them having just banter and just you know talking about fucking McDonald's and you know things yeah, like that. Well, they're
1: talking over on the drive over. It's yeah. like a funny concept to like take the the dead air that there would be and like what what would they be talking about? And it's just like the most yeah. mundane kind of stuff you can imagine. Yeah, like, instead of just like burgers and fast food
0: a montage and some cool music, like almost like you know you could say a Reservoir Dogs, like walking with the sunglasses. Like it's it's yeah, dismantling yeah. or discarding that sort of concept and yeah filling in the parts that would be off screen off camera like between scenes in any other film
1: yeah well like if you take the character of like Butch he was a boxer you, you never see him in a fight like it's just not True. the story is not interested in showing that kind of act. it's not what it's about at all it's more about like and it's always been like Tarantino's strength is what the characters are saying it's the dialogue and especially that we haven't mentioned like the the humor that comes from it i think it's part Mm -hmm. of what makes it so accessible is it is like darkly funny it finds it it rides that perfect line of like maybe it's not like a a laugh out loud comedy like you might imagine you know like a scary movie or some something dumb like that but it has it it finds that kind of truth in the in the humor and there is like the you know just just dressing them up after the accidental uh Death scene and putting them in the Tarantino's like clothes and there's just so much like clever humor like dotted in there and it never takes it too far beyond.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's really really interesting. So yeah, this is his I guess second film that he directed. When did IMDb change Mm -hmm. their layout? It's so different. I can see writer. I know it's quite annoying. Where the fuck is where the hell is director, writer, actor, producer? And then I'm at the end. Clearly he's a director. What the fuck? And it's like different on mobile. Yeah. Where's his director credits? <laughs> what the hell? Oh, that pisses me off. What the fuck? They're owned by Amazon.
1: Like... Yeah, you're, where actually is it? Like, um, oh, do you have to press... Ex- oh, no. No, that doesn't do you it. You can't
0: find it either? <laughs> yeah, just like because
1: I've got it open.
0: Okay. Oh, on that top you, yeah, bar, yeah, yeah. you've got you to have press to close, yeah. You have to close <laughs> the other three... That are open because there's more credits for actor, writer, and producer. He has 21 credits for director. So yeah, you have to close the other ones. Oh my God, that was a nightmare. That's ridiculous. Holy shit. (laughs) Jesus Christ. Okay, so...
1: so second feature.
0: Yeah. What is this My Best Friend's Birthday here? I've never heard of this. Quentin Tarantino's first feature before... Okay, so I was wrong about what his first movie was
1: oh i've never heard of this is this like yeah i've never heard of this
0: yeah well watch this do you count these i don't even know how you count it yeah it's feature length yeah true and then apparently there was a reservoir dogs short
1: okay yeah it's like credited as a deleted scene or something in between but whatever
0: no there's like a video before reservoir dogs oh it's not even a deleted scene Anyway, so yeah, Pulp Fiction after Reservoir Dogs. Reservoir Dogs was his breakout film. Uh, I think it was in mm-hmm. Cannes or something, was it? It was somewhere. Well, it was successful in some way. It got some people's attention. Then he makes Pulp Fiction and that was just a absolute phenomenon culturally. Um, yeah.
1: Cemented him, for sure. And yeah. like brought back John Travolta. Yeah, saved yeah, like a lot of career. actors careers, probably, And Yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah. So, it's a movie that just, like, apparently, like, everybody saw. (laughs) Like, because it was something, you know, pretty fresh and new for the time and, like, very effective in terms of what it was doing and how it was doing it. And there's, you know, the pretty accessible overall you know although i have heard the complaint from some people that like oh there's too much talking it's like okay yeah if you're not interested in the dialogue mm. if the dialogue if the dialogue isn't fun for you then i could understand being frustrated by the movie yeah i can um, see that
1: but to me that's the main appeal like it's oh yeah that that's really what is on display is that script is is that dialogue being carried by these actors yeah because i was even sh- i was shocked to read that like D- danny uh, Daniel Day Lewis, um, was apparently like interested in that John Travolta part, but like oh, cool. he, was, he was so set on Travolta, like That's so <laughs> he turned funny. away like Daniel Day Lewis is like
0: crazy. Like, wow,
1: yeah, I, I there was a he was on a podcast recently where he was talking, um, about some of these things and like casting, uh, especially for that movie. And he was saying how. Yeah, like Bruce Willis. Like originally, he wanted to play that Travolta character as well. Like every, everyone wanted that character. Like everyone was like turning away the the the, the kind of side characters and wanted that one because it is is the lead. So he really must have seen something in Travolta, and it it really is kind of his defining role. Like
0: yeah, like picked up his career. Yeah, it's it is kind of funny that he revived his career that way. I would say like all of the acting in the movie is great. But I would mm-hmm. still say Travolta's performance is the worst out of everyone, <laughs> except Quentin Tarantino, so? maybe worse than Quentin. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Except except Quentin Tarantino's performance. Yeah, that's my big one. Is I wish
1: because I think that was supposed to be Steve Buscemi in that oh, yeah. role originally. I, yeah, I kind of wish uh, that would come to fruition because <laughs> Buscemi is kind of a bit of an echelon above uh, Tarantino's like. Uh, <laughs> ability i feel like if
0: if you don't cast yourself in your own films then you never get to say the n-word okay so
1: (laughs) true yeah he definitely likes that doesn't he
0: oh Um, yeah that's it watching this um, (laughs) movie you'd be like damn this is his favorite word because like everybody's saying it throughout the entire movie i'm like this is way more
1: I, I, I d- yeah, I didn't remember it that way. I was pretty is.
0: young in 1994, and also not in America. But I don't know if people. Said it. I don't know if it was that common of a <laughs> yeah, word. I can't
1: comment on that either. I, but yeah, yeah he definitely <laughs> loves it in his scripts. This was certain.
0: Um, <laughs> yeah, everybody's saying the n-word forever in this movie. It's crazy. And
1: it's like, yeah, and uh, it's that. And w- once you know about the foot thing, like you, mm. you can't not see it, like, 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 she's not wearing shoes in, like, every scene, like, she didn't need to be, like, wearing flip-flops on the dance. yeah, she's dancing
0: without shoes and, like, blah, 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 and then, you know, like, there's some shots where it's just, like, it ends with, like, her lifting her her heel Mm -hmm. up so you can see the sole of her foot, which, if you didn't know, people who are into feet, like, really love the soles of feet. They love the bottoms of the feet. Oh, is that what it is? Yeah. Okay. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I've never really understood... So, I'm glad to have that tidbit now. Yeah, yeah.
0: So, it's kind of funny because, like, it's any other... If it's any other directory, just imagine that many tit shots in a movie. <laughs> just imagine that many shots of yeah. a film where it's like, okay, we're going to follow this character walking, but we're only going to see her boobs. Because <laughs> that's essentially what he's doing, which is kind of funny. And he wrote it into the script, too. He's like, oh, and a foot massage. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah, It could <laughs> go to the dance in, and... uh like take your shirt off while you're dancing basically <laughs> uh what a guy it's so funny he's uh yeah, yeah his his vet his fetish is is just way in his art to such a huge degree and
1: everyone knows it and he doesn't even At seem to point, care yeah. like he's just, yeah, he just keep doing it, it. yeah yeah <laughs> Yeah, I do, I do find him a very interesting person. I like listening to him. It always, he always sounds like he's just done a line of coke. He's, he's like really. Quentin? <laughs> energetic. He's, yeah. <laughs> Whenever you hear him in interviews and stuff, he's a, and he knows his stuff too. He like loves just, he loves film and it's, it's baked into every one of his movies. And it's, it's the only way you can really write something like this is with that knowledge of all these tropes and like, Oh, you know with like pulp fiction and trying to find like the the areas that haven't been explored and like seen ideas of like yeah it would be funny if like what if what are people saying what what is this couple like the tim roth like couple what are they talking about right before they decide to like rob a? it was like a coffee shop isn't it or something random like that is yeah finding just the right angle yeah it
0: was like it, almost like a spontaneous decision like they were talking like yeah. like they might not have done it if they hadn't just decided like oh yeah this is actually a good idea.
1: Yeah, and how it like bookends the whole story with with the yeah, the opening and establishing that and then closing and drawing all these threads together. It's like yeah, expertly crafted in terms of yeah, the out of
0: order structure. Mhm. Sorry, I've got a mouthful of food. My boyfriend just made me a breakfast sandwich and I wanted to have a bit oh, of it oh, while yeah. it's still warm just brought it into the room and it's awesome
1: oh yeah i forgot it's breakfast for you it's like yeah i mean sun's down here
0: it's 2 30 p.m <laughs> 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 we both kind of woke up late so just one chug them
1: i'm
0: halfway done this sandwich <sighs> don't worry yeah fast I
1: right. gotta chew though man don't want to i think you've
0: seen me eat before right (laughs) i don't really yeah yeah because
1: i'm like i'm like a really slow eater so i'm like the inverse so like chew like every bite making sure it's like paste before it goes down (laughs) you're like yeah
0: no there's like i'll never forget there was like 10 years ago the most drunk i ever was in my life like Mm -hmm. waking up and finding (laughs) like (laughs) some vomit in the shower (laughs) and i was like. Those are just whole pieces of shrimp, <laughs> like they're, they're entire really? shrimps. There, <laughs> <laughs> You're just eating it like a like a dog yeah, or apparently, something. Yeah. <laughs> not even chewing. <laughs> yeah, like a horse, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Almost fun.
1: Be worried though if you found a shrimp in a in a horse's gullet.
0: <laughs> hmm. Uh, Delicious. That make me hungry. That was really good. Yeah, there's a lot about this movie that I appreciate in terms of its presentation. There aren't Mm. many cuts at all in the movie no a lot of long takes
1: yeah not that many locations either they kind of just stick to like really strong scenes
0: yeah yeah some long scenes where you just get to absorb the characters and just yeah just really you just get to soak things in in a way that you don't often get to do in Most films.
1: Yeah, but but it it doesn't feel like at the expense of, like, scope. It still feels like a big city in this big, like, intertwining story Mm -hmm. of, like, more that's going on outside it, you know?
0: Yeah, one of my favorite shots was um, Butch walking through the fence. And just, like, Mm. you know, how he decides to uh, not park directly outside his apartment while he (laughs) (laughs) he thinks he's going to get killed. How the camera goes through it and just, yeah, it's a really nice, smooth shot. You don't feel like, oh, yeah, the, you know, there's no like shaking cameraman jumping through the hole or whatever. It's clearly like passed mm-hmm. off to somebody. But yeah, really smooth transition in that way. Yeah, it's it's um, something that I picked up on about this film is that there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of like 60s nostalgia <laughs> in it um
1: yeah which is funny
0: because that's like a 30 years later sort of thing and right now all you know a lot of 90s nostalgia (laughs) is existing 30 years later
1: yeah this thing comes in cycles doesn't it
0: yeah yeah yeah. and just like i I
1: love the whole um the the briefcase Mm mcguffin mcguffins can be like so kind of annoying um or just like you know unobtainium you know something silly something goofy yeah um just the just the reservation of having that the characters like comment on like what's inside it like just like they're the audience members like, like what is in there like what is <laughs> like what's in the what box I'm thinking about and yeah yeah what's in the box yeah it's J. J Abrams you know the the mystery box like right there um but it's not like instead of like one of his stories it's not like a core component it's just an excuse to get things moving it's really not like a focus or
0: yeah and it's not it's just, yeah it's not like everyone's mcguffin anyway like bruce willis has the watch which i thought was like really mm. cool and clearly established and you know the if you took the briefcase out of the story and just replaced it with a lot of money the story would work just as well yeah
1: or a diamond or something yeah yeah but it's it's the it's the style it's how it's choosing yeah. like i saw a picture um earlier of a What the, what the inside of the briefcase actually looks like. Yeah, on set. So it casts (laughs) that. Yeah, on set. So it looks like, yeah, it casts that kind of yellow light. So it looks like uh, something mystical or magical or gold or whatever, whatever you want to impose onto it. Um, yeah. Yeah. And that, and that scene with the, the watch is like a, a a crazy, weird, like cameo moment with Christopher Walken coming in and talking about the, oh, I love it. And the,
0: (laughs) and just the phrasing of it too. Is he just says, to just get <laughs> in my ass.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 It's, uh, yeah. Again, with the balancing the comedy just right, but it also gives him like a really strong motivation for yeah. needing to go back to his place so he can have that little, little showdown. Yeah. There.
0: A reasonable excuse for the character, especially if he's like tormented by it in his dreams every night, you know?
1: Yeah. And for how, like, normally it's like a real put off in stories and movies where coincidence or like accidents are like kind of. One of the main thrusts or like uh just part of the plot, like be it the uh um the scene where Jules like the 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 guy comes out of the closet and like misses the entire Yeah. Every shot with that gun and or or the Yeah, just the the, the randomness and the the kind of the seeming, it's you know, the seeming randomness of everything yeah, yeah. It, it knows it doesn't really matter it's more of like what they're saying and where it takes the characters and it i don't know it just doesn't but bo- it doesn't bother me because it is self-aware and it does know what it's doing and what it's trying to say with it
0: yeah it, i mean it's it seems like it's intentionally subverting and like breaking the rules of other similar films that you might have seen or similar concepts yeah for characters like yeah. you know having that excuse for, you know, even just the comedic angle of it, of the guy coming out and mm. shooting and missing and then getting blown away instantly after just that like moment of silence of like them realizing they didn't get shot. Like that functions yeah, comedically and then immediately after it, it serves a new function and it goes into Jules's sort of redemption uh and his him saying it was an act from God and then the conversation in the car. And then even during that conversation we have another sort of like subversion where vincent accidentally blows the guy's head off in the back seat who like barely ever said anything Mm -hmm. he's just like gone in an instant just like whoa like that never happens you know like just immediately yeah like oops i i guess i just shot like i just hit a bump or something like (laughs) you could even take that as like um what was the because now i'm realizing like what was the line that he was saying like when i'm pretty sure they might have been arguing about like the idea of divine intervention at that moment i like that might have been the question that he was asking so you could you could even take that as like the script or the film being being like oh that is a sign from god like god pulled the trigger there or something like perhaps <laughs> you know because he insisted yeah. he didn't do it and sam jackson was like i didn't hit a bump
1: and then having these two characters um both taking inverse kind of interpretations from these miracles quote unquote mm-hmm. and then the repercussions of it because like vincent yeah, different see, he doesn't change at all and he's executed while he's
0: exactly <laughs> just <laughs> taking a shit
1: where jules uh, as far as we know yeah
0: it could have been jules there if he didn't uh
1: yeah yeah decide exactly. to stop yeah and then like butch like he, he has his kind of redemption where he chooses to go back and, and save wallace and yeah the kind of good that comes from that through all this randomness yeah i guess it's kind of about like the choices that you make based on the chaos that is yeah laid before you
0: yeah huge theme of redemption is just like the consistent i guess kind of like through line in the film so um yeah. i not only love the soundtrack choices in most quentin tarantino films Mm-hmm. But what I love about Quentin Tarantino and how he writes and structures his films, he so clearly does it around the music in mo- in, a, in a lot of scenes. Yeah. Like, you can tell that he's a guy that he'll like a song and then he'll get inspired by it and be like, oh, wouldn't it be cool if I showed this while a song was playing? Like, guaranteed, mm-hmm. like, he did that with Stuck in the Middle with You, you know, like. Mm. And then there, there's songs in in this film where... You can tell it's not just like oh add the song in post you know transitionary scene they'll play this song oh, like yeah not at all you it's, know, like,
1: it's baked wh- into yeah, the script while yeah.
0: they're driving to other locations they're like you know vincent's singing along to like certain parts of the song it's like okay yeah this was before you started filming you knew what song was going to play there which is really cool i love how quentin tarantino does that you know he did the, that for um uh and kill bill you know he was like i think he said he was in japan and heard a uh, the a song on the radio and figured out who it was and was like, oh yeah, I'm gonna put the this in the mm. uh, it was like the five, six, seven, eights or whatever that uh, yoo-hoo, yoo-hoo, yeah yeah or whatever <laughs> um, yeah and he's like oh yeah I'm gonna put that in the film decides where to put it in the film then gets the band to like perform live in the scenario of the crazy eighty eight mm. you know scene and like just a lot of really cool consideration for. Not only choice of music, but how it's used in the film. And that's just that's something that not a lot of directors do. And I like that he's a very musical oriented person. Even if he's never mm. made a musical, I guess.
1: Yeah. But yeah, that that kind of detail and thoughtfulness goes into every element, whether yeah, whether it be the soundtrack, whether it be costume design or it, it's so expressive of like what, what he's doing with this cast of characters and what he's trying to say with them. And it's difficult to to pick like a like a best line of dialogue or a best character moment. You have like these little bit characters, like Uma Thurman's like, she's barely in the movie and the same with this, the wolf cleanup guy and all the Christopher Walken, like the little scene there. There's, there's so much going on and so much like depth to it. It's always, it's always like surprising you where it's going, where it's going to take you or just how much like really goes on in the movie. Like it, it just, it just like jumps all over the place, but it stays cohesive and, yeah, it, it it starts off and gets quite broad and narrows back down towards the end with that returning to the the Tim Roth the uh, heist scene and yeah, it feels really clean. I I've, I think for me this is my favorite Tarantino script at least. Um mm-hmm. overall like just with that dialogue and just how inventive and unseen it, it still kind of is to this day like how do you really how do you really copy this movie or try and ape the things it's doing like he did it you know yeah you can't
0: really it is special
1: You can't really mimic the sort of yeah, it's definitely special and i feel like it only comes from the brain of someone who's like really really creative and knows his stuff uh yeah it's 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 really kind of a wonder and you do get something new kind of every time you see it too whether it be a line of dialogue you oh yeah i didn't really think about it that way like how how much that stuck with me like i love that that Uma Thurman line, where she's talking about, there's that there's that lull in the conversation, and uh, uh, Travolta takes a sip from his coke, and then mm-hmm. they start talking about that lull, and yeah, there's just so much great dialogue, so many great moments. It's there's a reason it sits where it does, you know.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I wanna I wanna give a shout out to uh, Sally Menke, if that's how her name is pronounced, because. She worked with Quentin Tarantino for, like, basically all of his films uh, since, since Reservoir Dogs. Uh, she edited his mm-hmm. films. And so much of the voice in his films is from the editing. Like, the editing... Yeah, 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 Like, Quentin Tarantino, don't get me wrong, super talented, amazing director, amazing writer. But the editing is such a crucial part in his films. And, um, yeah, she is she's fantastic. And she worked with him for yeah all of his films up until inglorious bastards was the last one that she worked on because she died and i don't remember how um
1: yeah and you do notice like a there is kind of a pacing shift yeah Um, after that point all the films before that film a bit tighter um definitely for sure as much as i love especially like the hateful light that it it, it is more noticeable
0: yeah i'd agree with yeah it's very yeah every everything after that point is like very different editing for sure. Yeah. It's it's very expressive. It's very fantastically paced. Yeah, the information is communicated really effectively. Oh yeah, the um something that really stuck out to me when I watched it this time um was the sound design. And there's mm. some aspects to it that are not perfect. Like there's some uh you know, some gunshot or impact sound effects like the car crash and stuff like that. Some of those Some of those sound a bit dated, but what I really appreciated was the kind of like environmental, atmospheric sound sound design choices. So, Mm. um, you know, like while he's Bruce Willis is walking through the fence and all the different sounds of like environment you can hear as you're going by or like um, in the Bonnie situation when they're, you know, Quentin Tarantino's pouring coffee and saying the N-word, you can hear all the um, (laughs) like birds chirping in the background. And, you know, it gives like a good indication of like even like time of day. It's like just little nice atmospheric sound design choices that really help to fill in the space, the audio space of of the scene. And I thought that that was done super, super well. Uh, Really appreciated it. Uh, this time around yeah uh,
1: there's not really much as far as like on a technical level that stood out to me there's only one shot that kind of didn't look that great to me and that was when uh bruce willis is in the back of the cab um and I but think that has
0: to be intentional of... right because it's like the footage in the background is like black and white it,
1: it must be right yeah it,
0: it's so it's, <laughs> it's so like silly clearly <laughs> like rear projection
1: it's like yeah
0: <laughs> it's like black yeah, and white footage, sure. footage in the background so i i have to assume yeah, that that's yeah. intentional that that's just a weird choice
1: <laughs> like a style yeah because there yeah. are like little kind of stylistic things just sprinkled in like don't be a square yeah, don't be a like, rectangle just the one time <laughs> yeah oh yeah yeah the one time they only do it in the whole movie you know anything kind of like that um yeah it's full of like stuff like that
0: when she finds the A bag of heroin thinks it's Coke. She says, hello. But there's a second audio track, another take of her saying hello, played at the exact same time. You know, Mm. that never happens again in the entire movie. That's just like an interesting double audio thing going on. Yeah. There was like a weird... When Bruce Willis uh, and makes his way into the uh gun shop or whatever and uh yeah he gets he gets knocked out by the butt of the rifle or shotgun or whatever Mm -hmm. weapon um it's the weirdest thing in the whole movie for me in terms of like cuts because it cuts to a super close shot of bruce willis's face during the impact (laughs) uh and Mm -hmm. it cuts and the, the shot lasts for like five frames or something it's the quickest shot in the entire movie and i always found that kind of weird but watching it now like i can understand probably why you would have had that shot like you know maybe in a wider shot the it wasn't cheated as well and it didn't look like he was being hit or something like i don't know but it was interesting and it stood out
1: yeah they do that a few times with the 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 cheats like when when he uses the uh the katana and it's Mm -hmm. like framed in such a way where like you don't actually have to see the impact because yeah I mean, i haven't really mentioned the budget. It was uh, what eight million dollars at the time, with five million of it going to that cast. So yeah, wow. I mean, considering it's like yeah, weird and uh, experimental, and it, it never really shows because like, because yeah, that that script is really, really is what's carrying it for me at least, and like where I'm getting most of that that meaning and the everything I'm remembering about it for the most part uh, is mostly like the the conversations and the way the characters are communicating it to the audience and just how unpredictable and all over the place it is and
0: in the best of ways. hmm So, uh, yeah, it won, it won Best Writing the Oscars. Makes sense. It was also yeah, nominated for Best Picture, and Best Actor John Travolta, Best Actor Sam Jackson, supporting... Actress supporting Uma Thurman, director Quentin Tarantino, and editing Sally Menke, if that's how I pronounced Mm. her name. Yeah, this was a big movie. It was an Oscar movie. It won the Palme d'Or. Like, this, yeah, again, we've already mentioned just the cultural impact. Like, this is one of the most quotable movies, one of the most parodied movies. Like, my boyfriend was was introducing me to the show um, The Boondocks. And they were oh, like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was like, yeah, a couple of days after I watched Pulp Fiction, I was like, oh, they're, they're parodying Pulp Fiction at the moment. It's, <laughs> yeah. yeah.
1: It's so ubiquitous. Isn't it like in Space Jam?
0: <laughs> yeah. There's a Pulp like, Fiction reference in Space Jam. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's,
1: yeah. It's just totally ubiquitous. Um, and there's a reason for it. Like, yeah. It's totally deserved.
0: It is on the IMDb Top 250 currently at number eight. What do you think about that?
1: wow okay what's above it like avengers
0: all right from one (laughs) one to ten we got shawshank godfather dark knight godfather part two 12 angry men 1957 schindler's list lord of the rings the return of the king pulp fiction lord of the rings the fellowship of the ring the good the bad and the ugly 1966 okay so no avengers in there
1: okay yeah i think it's deserved um I definitely prefer a I understand it. The India, script yeah. above some of those ones you just listed. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's yeah, it's got like what 2.1 million votes just on IMDb alone like for yeah, felt like a weird kind of experimental film, I guess. Apparently, um Bruce Willis agreeing to be involved was like huge for its marketability on mm-hmm. on a on a worldwide scale. Him, that makes sense him getting involved in it and like cuz he was like Huge um, during this era in the 90s. So having him on board was like a big deal.
0: Yeah. Yeah, Die Hard had been out for a few years and he Mm. was, yeah, doing a lot of stuff. Yeah, that's really cool. I understand why it's so well-loved and so big and, uh, yeah, it's crazy. It's, uh, don't see a lot of movies like it and I just think it would be like, just imagine, imagine being an adult and like into films to the degree that we are and seeing an artist like Quentin Tarantino emerge in real time. Mm. Like imagine, imagine seeing Reservoir Dogs and then like Pulp Fiction comes out and just being like, holy shit, like watching the artist grow like that and like Kill Bill's not even out yet, you know, like what a ride.
1: Yeah. Cause of course he was already well established by the time I was into his movies. Cause what this came out the year I was born. So Mm
0: -hmm. (laughs) it's
1: quite nuts to think about
0: yeah very interesting director very interesting character and what is he is he making one more movie or something yeah
1: on that podcast I was listening to he was saying about that how I I, I was kind of understanding his thought process hearing him describe it where he's saying he didn't want to he didn't want to turn into one of those directors that's like makes the the old man movies as he put it you know (laughs) like a Robert Zemeckis or something where it's like ugh he he wants his catalog to kind of be remembered and for it to be like an event. He
0: doesn't want to <laughs> make the new Pinocchio. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, shocking. I know.
0: <laughs> I mean, like fucking Scor- Scorsese's doing some stuff still, and he's not like he hasn't tarnished his reputation doing it. Yeah,
1: it can, yeah it can be done, but I feel like there are probably more examples of the inverse than Scorsese's. You know, yeah,
0: just don't be a goofball. Oh, wait, Disney. too late for him, actually. No, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, how could I forget? Uh, obviously, most important, important uh, contributor to the film, Harvey Weinstein. Let's give it up for Harvey. Yeah, Woo! yeah
1: it's a shame they can't. Here,
0: Max. <laughs> take
1: him out of the credits, but he's, yeah, he was a... Yeah, whenever you listen to <laughs> interviews where like he's talking about this era, he's like, yeah, I went over to Harvey's house, and it's like, oh,
0: fuck. My best friend, Harvey uh, Weinstein. yeah
1: (laughs) if you want to hear him i think um i think he went on like joe rogan and addressed it a little bit oh yeah probably um yeah that is that is like quite a stain because he is (laughs) he was intimately involved in the majority of his catalog um
0: yeah like every film Mm -hmm. yeah big oops yeah that's yeah (laughs) Yeah, it makes you wonder. if you have enough hollywood connections like you're <laughs> you're, you're gonna be associated with some bad shit at some point <laughs> oh
1: yeah you it's kind of yeah par for the parcel with that oh, one. Oh, oops
0: all my friends are canceled <laughs> dang it all right yeah love the movie uh what else can we say it's a classic 10 out of 10
1: yeah yeah i'm right there with you 10 out of 10 five star yeah if you haven't seen it what are you doing
0: what are you doing? <laughs> are you yeah, doing? and even if you just listen to us talk about the whole thing, you know, you can't really spoil the movie. It's not like a movie yeah. like, oh no, now you know what happens, and now you can't watch it. Like, just watch the movie. It's still great. Yeah, it's about the experience. Yeah. Really, really effectively communicated tension, you know, the silences and the, you know, just in between the, yeah, just lots of great, effectively communicated. Stakes, intention, humor, lots of interesting conversations. Great movie. I will yeah. say, after having watched this recently, mm. I think Kill Bill is still my favorite.
1: Really? My favorite um, QT. Oh, yeah. I, I'll hold that for when we hopefully do it in the future. because yeah. it has been a while since I've seen.
0: Waiting for a four K. Yeah,
1: have you have you ever seen the whole bloody affair, or is that not?
0: Um, That's not a thing that anyone has seen or, unless they were in Japan during its only theatrical release. it's
1: So annoying! Like, it's so annoying when they include this stuff like in these these lists, and it's like, okay, I want to watch that, but oh. Like, it's this this random, hyper-specific thing. Yeah. Yeah. So, it's yeah, basically both films
0: edited into one, and they don't have that cliffhanger line at the end of the first film of Bill saying, okay. it, does she know it's blank, 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 spoilers, you know? Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. All right. So, that that's my understanding. But I would still love to see it, because I, I consider both films to basically be one movie anyway. Mm. Like, I just think of it as Kill Bill. Yeah. But, Yeah.
1: Yeah, I'm going to have to revisit
0: those. When a 4K comes out, we'll watch it. Yeah. Which should be any day now, hopefully. Probably. maybe this year.
1: Yeah, it seems quite random when they decide to release these things.
0: Yeah. All right, question time.
1: Awesome. Let's do some questions then from the Sardonicast community. Head over to the subreddit where there's a suggestion thread. You can ask us whatever you feel like, just like Jaden Egan 54 did. Speaking of, actually, when do you think physical media will officially die out for film and television? As someone who buys records and films, I feel more secure buying vinyl instead of 4K slash Blu-ray discs, as I don't worry about updating to a new format or the jump we'll be seeing from 4K to 8K in a few years. I also feel that both vinyl and digital will hold different places in the industry, while as for movies, as modern video games, people see physical and digital as interchangeable. Will big companies update with the times and start making new hardware and software to support these higher resolutions or in the near future, will big companies bite the bullet and go all digital? Interesting question. Um, cause I, I've kind of jumped more on the digital bandwagon cause I was like, it's frustrating every few years. You, you obviously want the best picture and it's going to be, you're going to have to like refresh your whole library, which I know you're into doing. Um,
0: yeah. I, I just sell the old ones. <laughs>
1: Yeah. Yeah. But I, I, speaking of the video games, I found this interesting stat that apparently this is just from on like Sony consoles as the, as the data, but according to Sony now, 80% of their game sales are digital. If you just think even 10 years ago, it was, it was way more the other direction and just how quickly it shifted. And I feel like with the streaming kind of, especially with COVID fast forwarding it, It's way more of a standard now. I I feel like it's becoming like, unless you're really into the hobby, are people like rushing out to buy 4K Blu-rays? I I, I don't know. A
0: small percentage of the population. So overall, uh, physical media sales are down. But of those existing physical media sales, 4K Blu-ray is higher than it's ever been. Like as a a piece of that pie, it is taking up more... Mm. I don't remember the exact statistics of it, but I might actually have something in my phone, actually. I think I was going to bring this up as like a movie news thing. Actually, hold on. Oh, really? Yeah, hold on.
1: I'm just wondering, like, yeah, we're seeing technology shifts and moves these things so quickly, especially when you are talking about like an 8K. So what, are you you willing to do that whole process again? Where you like, you sell off all your 4Ks and get the, the 8K equivalents?
0: Well, I couldn't find the article, but... I'm not exactly worried about 8K taking over because, A, your TV would have to be fucking huge, first of all. <laughs> yeah. And I ha- I do have a huge TV, but I don't have any issues with the 4K, that's for sure. B, the fact that, like, physical media on its own is shrinking at the moment.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: There's no one's no one's going to be adopting a new disc format for 8K and like transferring <laughs> old films to that like a lot of the existing transfers that exist for even like Blu-rays are already just like 4K transfers like it's very rare from what I understand for a film to be transferred in 8, 8K from a film so they would have to do a lot more work 8K content does exist they have, you know, there's 8k HDMI cables and there's 8k television, but like I don't even I don't I I, I don't even know where you would go to find 8k video in terms of like something yeah. available on like a streaming platform or you, like does YouTube support 8k? I don't know. I'm not worried about a disc, a new a new mm. physical media format replacing 4k at the moment because we haven't even gotten into like the full library of 4k we've barely we don't even have kill bill on 4K. we don't even have most of quentin tarantino's yeah, movies in 4K. so much there's a missing. bunch of bullshit that's not even out on 4k yet so i would not be worried about 8k anytime soon maybe ever like i i don't know how it would be adopted no, because there's, it,
1: there's also like the marketing issue exactly
0: with it. like who's gonna fucking who's gonna buy it
1: like how do you, yeah like how do you sell that to yeah to somebody
0: If, let's say, like, two more console generations from now, Sony's using, like, an 8K Blu-ray disc just to have their games on it, I still don't even Mm. think, like... Because consoles are, like, dying out, too. Like, Sony's releasing all their games on PC, right? Like, they're becoming, like, more useless and just having to keep creating... You know, new console versions just to keep up. And they're,
1: yeah, they're finally starting to twig the frame rate matters. And all
0: their sales are digital now. So, like, why would they, you know, are they really going to adopt that? Yeah. Like, maybe, maybe it'll exist, but I'm not worried about it becoming the new standard. And I'm not going to be like, I'm not going to be replacing my television as soon as like 8K becomes a thing. If it becomes a thing, like I'm going to wait like at least a couple of years. And I don't even think it's going to happen so
1: yeah it really doesn't yeah. seem like because at least with 4k when that was kind of first coming out it was alongside hdr for the most part too which is also yeah. kind of a big deal like what are they, they going to do you know I, I just don't see how they can really push it widely without just like the the one percent of the one percent jumping in on this this 8k thing because it will just be so expensive yeah i mean
0: me. like it's something that technically already exists i just don't know if you can. Like, get a movie in that way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm not worried about it. Yeah, me neither.
1: Okay, let's do uh, let's do this one from Zezion5813. Uh, not necessarily about movies, but an interesting one nonetheless. What are some tips to handle stress? What do you do to relieve some tension from work, life, etc.? Hmm.
0: I mean... A bit more of a deep one. Yeah, different things for different people. There's some... Exercise is a big one. Exercise I is a just huge says it one. know it's true it's a meme, But yeah.
1: Yeah. People, yeah. It is like a meme at this consistent point. Consistent exercise. Yeah. Consistent. Yeah. Even if it's just like going for a walk, genuinely. Even just, just getting, just getting yourself moving in some way, getting those endorphins released and getting some vitamin D. Like your, your body needs, like, there's like a checklist of things you might not even think about that your body gets just from doing a little yeah. Bit of exercise.
0: Yeah. Like if it, it If I get like really like pissed off about something, which you know, like to such a degree where Mm -hmm. it's like uncommon, (laughs) sometimes I'll just like Mm. I'll be like I'll just do some fucking push-ups or something, you know, and I feel so much better. Or like I'll like clean something in the house, or I'll just do something that like Mm. involves some sort of physical like yeah movement to you know kind of get that aggression out or whatever. And you do feel better doing something that you know you can argue is like productive too i feel or at least i do you know Mm
1: -hmm. yeah yeah feeling productive yeah Uh,
0: i'm a big fan of
1: like mindfulness and kind of deep breathing type stuff that Mm -hmm. that, that works too getting getting that the chaos of your mind under control it takes some it's like an ongoing battle uh but you know there are ways you can basically just like exercise like force your body basically to like try and get into a better state with be it like deep breathing be it you know these mindfulness kind of exercises or yeah wherever you find that that relief uh yeah cleaning's another one too like just just something to get get out of your head because it's easy to especially when you're stressed to fucking just get way down
0: cleaning's cathartic
1: yeah i absolutely find it cathartic
0: like if you got like a fucking huge mess or something like when you start you know organizing stuff and like throwing out stuff you don't need and things start coming together and you've got like a better space especially if it's like your room and your you know just a space that you're commonly using like it just it feels better to not you know yeah like
1: a big sort out a big yeah it's almost like sorting out your own head when you're yeah sorting out your old clothes sorting out your paperwork just garbage yeah
0: yeah I don't know. There's, uh, like I, there's some things that work well for some people and other people, but you know, as long as you're not doing something that becomes like a destructive habit, you know, like some, some people you could say like, Oh yeah, just like, you know, or if you're feeling stressed out, like order that your favorite food you've wanted, but then it's like, okay, well then if you're doing that all the time, then you might have like, you could turn that into an eating disorder easily. Yeah. Um, (laughs) you know, like any, any sort of vice, you know, food, drug, you know masturbation anything yeah the unfortunate
1: truth is um yeah balance um trying to find some kind of healthy balance is what's up
0: yeah it's i I think the best advice is to um try not to consistently resort to quick fixes no matter what that quick fix might be because otherwise you're just kind of like i don't know chasing the endorphins and then it's you know Mm -hmm. it's not yeah turns into like a worse cycle yeah
1: yeah you're absolutely right okay how about this one from toys noise what's your favorite and least favorite thing about your country my favorite is probably the sense of humor i do, I do quite like the dry uh mm-hmm. um kind of miserable everyone's just like miserable <laughs> like I, I love hearing like especially when like ralph's talking about people like cheering and clapping in theaters and reacting to things. And it's just like, man, we're so, we're so like dour here in comparison. It's like a a really funny contrast to me. Um, I get a lot of joy from that sense of humor. Um, You do your favorite. What's what's your favorite thing about, about the Canucks?
0: My favorite thing about Canada is I guess probably just like the stereotypes. It's like the least, you know, it's like, oh, you're nice. (laughs)
1: Mm -hmm. that's quite yeah that's a pretty good stereotype (laughs) but i have all all the stereotypes out there so wow okay yeah it's
0: a good a pretty a pretty not bad uh impression on like like the global scale i guess in terms of like cultural personality i guess
1: yeah as far as a least favorite thing matt we have a real bad class issue in the uk it's like yeah it's really bad i don't know what it's like in canada but
0: it's getting shit everywhere it's It's just yeah the the existing systems that you know when when the richest people in the country have more political say than over time slowly you know some countries Mm -hmm. faster than other wow the gap is growing larger oh no these problems are getting worse and more people are falling into poverty like Fuck. It, it, <laughs> like, I, I can see why some people hate capitalism, you know? Yeah. Like, you got to fucking regulate that shit if you want it to work.
1: Mm, absolutely. Yeah, it's it's sad with the, seeing the things people, like, really focus themselves on and just, like, get caught up in this culture or stuff and they don't see, like, the actual forest with the trees in terms of, like, <laughs> the stuff that matters that is going on around us.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I think. I think that the overwhelming majority of issues that people face could be not perhaps not 100 solved but made infinitely better by addressing wealth inequality i think that 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 would be like a yeah. huge first for yeah like <laughs> most situations are like a byproduct of that even when it comes to like you know crime and like mental health like it's all a lot of this shit is mm-hmm. just stemmed from poverty like murders like and a knock-on like, effect yeah yeah like Now all these people like that, fuck, I'm so I'm like visiting America right now. And just like this country, it just has such a fuck you got mine mentality. Mm. And it exists. It's not the only country where this exists, but it's like a really like big mentality here where it's just like, oh, well, you're on your own. And you can only ignore it for so long before it's like, oh, why is there so much crime and poverty? And like, I'm trying to, I'm just trying to go out for a fancy meal and there's homeless people everywhere. Someone's going to stab me. It's like, mm. yeah, because you've been ignoring this problem for fucking fr- Like you can't just be yeah. like, oh yeah, I'll just, I'll just hope to never interact with, a, a huge portion of the population for forever and then it's like okay well now more people in the, popu- the population's growing there's more people that are being affected in this way it's gonna fucking catch up to you eventually you know it doesn't matter how mm-hmm. fucking rich you are there's gonna be poor people in your neighborhood eventually if you're hogging all the wealth and you're allowing everybody else to get poor and there's no social safety nets like holy shit you don't think it's ever gonna catch up to you jesus christ so yeah the richest people in the country just try as hard as they can to be like further away from poverty or further away from poor people or further away from like any of the crime but like like you you know the cities are where all the you know amenities and the the uh arts and like everything interesting is right so like rich people are going to go into the cities still to go to the good restaurants and like you know like you, you can't fucking avoid it like there has to be some sort of some sort of at least attempt to address um, the problem actually
1: adam you've just got to pick yourself up by your bootstraps oh fuck That's i forgot my bootstraps holding everyone back god damn it. <laughs> yeah if you just yeah if you just work yourself to death then that will solve it
0: yeah then you get yours at least so yeah my least favorite thing about canada would yeah would also just be i would just say like general corruption even though like on the corruption scale in terms of like countries whenever it's graded by whatever fucking organization canada appears to be like pretty close to the top like globally if i'm not mistaken in terms of like not corrupted countries but i mean it's still still fucking exists here and it's still noticeable and it's like yeah like fuck you justin trudeau like do something about the telecom companies we're being ripped off by them like there's a oligopoly basically of like three companies that own every uh, internet and uh, telephone provider that are just they all adjust their prices at the same time and we pay more globally per capita than like any other country like for for our wireless and our internet rates and yeah again poverty like that's a big fucking thing the cost of living when it comes to uh, uh mm-hmm. like homes and rent you know like even if you're not a homeowner like rent's like fucking ridiculous and so many places in canada like so, yeah, it's it's really a lot of issues that need to be addressed. And the fact that I think the fact that Canada does have such a good like social standing and we have like we kind of have like a bit of an ego about it, especially because we're just right next to America forever. And we're just, you mm. know,
1: the contrast is quite astute.
0: All of our news site like nothing interesting happens in Canada. So all of our news is just like, Oh, some fucking crazy shit happened in the U (laughs) S and we're just looking at that. Like, Oh wow. They can't, can't, they're not even uh, agreeing on who won the election. Sort of like, uh, yeah, our news cycle is constantly like, look at that crazy shit that's going on over there. And so we get lulled into this, like this kind of idea of, of there's, there's too many people that are like complacent here and not paying attention to our own politics which is kind of unfortunate. Yeah. And so we kind of allow certain things to happen and certain things to get unchecked. Like Canadians love to gloat about like our free healthcare, but there's a lot of issues that we've been experiencing with our healthcare in recent years that are not a result of it being a socialized system, but a result of it not being properly funded and being uh, kept in check. So it's all done provincially, oh, yeah. essentially. Same thing here. Um, and so, yeah, we we've... We've basically been gifted this like fantastic uh, set of opportunities by having like socialized government run healthcare, And we're just kind of allowing it to be like slowly dismantled and slowly fall through the cracks. We're not paying our doctors enough. Yep. There's a huge shortage of uh, family doctors. So, you know, as soon as some are retiring, then it's like, oh, well, good luck can't find a family doctor You can't find someone to specialize for you so i have to go yeah. to like fucking walk-in clinics to like p- pick up a re- prescription and then like hope that i got the same doctor as last time you know <laughs>
1: like oh yeah no that, that's it's exactly the same it's probably worse here i'd imagine
0: yeah it, it, it's fucked it's absolutely <laughs> fucked and it's just it's it's mm-hmm. embarrassing and disappointing that there are people you know like trudeau that pretend to be uh you know for the average person but like you're fucking either absolutely completely unaware of what the average person is going through or you just don't care you just don't, you're either mm. so stupid and out of touch that you're not aware or you you are aware and you're an asshole so yeah like yeah go fuck they're, yourself they're just
1: dude. like di- they're different
0: types of humans almost like yeah, yeah. i never oh. voted for the guy despite the blackface which was super cool <laughs> 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 double double <laughs> double elected post blackface prime minister <laughs> really funny but yeah and yeah another thing is just you know voting system i wish it wasn't first past the post i wish we had ranked choice voting in our federal elections
1: portion representation would be good you know, yeah i
0: feel like a lot of a lot of issues would be solved if you know, it was more democratic of a process, and people weren't strategically voting because they were, you know, scared of another party getting in power. Blah 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 blah. Mm-hmm. Like lesser of two evils, sort of thing. Like sh- you should be able to do rank right choice and vote for the vote for the party that you want. But yeah, it, just general wish things would be better from a governmental perspective. Wish that politicians weren't as corrupt, and wish you know, income inequality. It, it's all part of the same thing. It's just people in power yeah, yeah. are assholes that only care about their rich friends and everybody voting is just like asleep at the wheel (laughs) and we're going to wonder like oh what all these things that used to make our country so great are not there anymore and then we're just like we're gonna look back at this generation of people in Canada the same way we look back at like boomers right now (laughs) of like wow you let the entire world go to shit like you were you were at the wheel why didn't you do anything about it but people are just fucking stupid and unaware like everybody yeah no we're absolutely screwed (laughs) i'm I'm a doomer again
1: (laughs) (laughs) no we got we were just saying about how to clear our heads of stress
0: (laughs) oh yeah (laughs) (laughs) oops all right you got one more Um, one more question i guess
1: (laughs) okay let's end on this one then uh from ngatsb33 hello sardinians being a filmmaker slash youtuber one might have to face unnecessary harsh criticism on the internet how do you all deal with criticism from randos do you feel the need to engage or do you just ignore it and what advice can you give to a person dealing with shit talkers on the internet when you're only trying to promote your art slash content
0: um i care about it a lot less than i used to because yes (laughs) you know i was always it, it took a long time to learn that a lot of people are just not good faith. Uh, Oh yeah. Big time. And, you know, as a person that has, you know, been self-critical my whole life. And that's just a part of me growing as a person is keeping myself in check. Mm -hmm. Then obviously, you know, I would want to hear feedback from other people that I would hope are in good faith trying to keep me in check. But there's a lot of people you just eventually have to learn. A lot of people are (laughs) just like (laughs) either stupid or assholes or both.
1: Yeah, and especially when it's like anonymous people, you know, where you d- you don't know like what state they're in, who they are, where they're even, what country
0: even they're coming to. Or from. if they're fourteen or not. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they That's could literally one. be eight-year-olds. Yeah, 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 yeah. Eventually, you just have to, you know, try to be your own best, toughest critic. Try to help. You know, if the, if your community's saying something, pay attention to your community, but don't let you know some. Again, I guess they use the word "randos" in the question. Don't let some randos that like will pretend to be a part of your community, or yeah. uh, or just like the smallest, tiniest section of your community where like they're not reflecting the majority of people. Like sometimes people will upvote something on Reddit because they want to see a response to it, not necessarily because they agree to it, mm-hmm. but they're interested in what yeah. your response would be. Yeah, so, sometimes it's there's this unintentional kind of. Uh, feedback loop created by social media, where even if the majority of people are on your side about something, if there's this huge like dogpiling of the other perspective, most people just won't want to jump in there because they don't want to be dogpiled. Mm-hmm. So if they see someone yeah. like shitting on me for something, even if most of my audience, or even most people, or like a sizable amount of people, even if most people agree with me and don't think it's like unreasonable not a lot of people are just going to jump in and into the conversation so you just also have to be aware of that that there's a lot of people that you know care about you and respect you and appreciate you but even if they're not as vocal every single time and, and there's just going to be a lot of shitty people that are really vocal like a yeah really annoying yeah yeah minority that's very loud so
1: that always helps to remember is just how much of a minority especially on youtube what commenters are if you actually break down the stats of views to likes to comments like the comments are just such a fraction of a fraction of a fraction mm-hmm. of people watching that it's like yeah it's easy to get bogged down in it but you just got to remind yourself like man this is this is this is a vocal minority especially those who like write the the, the mega walls of text you know like <laughs> This kind of stuff,
0: yeah, yeah. I just, yeah, at this point, I just like block people, (laughs) like, I don't care anymore. Like, I've done the whole fucking what is it, 12 years or whatever of like, you know, like, oh, I'll, you know, spend my uh valuable time like trying to Mm -hmm. reach through to these people and like convince them of like a misunderstanding that they have or try to understand where they're coming from. It's like, okay, well the number of people watching and the number of people commenting and the amount of like absolute bad faith people that there are at this point, like, I'm sorry, I don't have the time anymore. I'm sorry. And I've been through
1: it. Yeah, like, I, they're not they're not worth the time.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's just, it's if I hadn't already gone through the motions of this so many times,
1: mm-hmm. you know, yeah, you just kind of get numb.
0: <laughs> yeah. After a while you, you realize that there's no point. And especially with me, like trying to not type as much with my tendon issues, like, what am I gonna do? Record a voice mm. message for these people? No. <laughs> like nah, yeah. sorry, like I'm not wasting my <laughs> I'm not wasting my time or my mental energy or my Tendons. physical yeah. health on these people. So Yeah. Yeah. I don't yeah, feel bad about, about blocking at this point. No. Nah. Because it's just like, yeah, if you you know, it's not difficult to create a new account and if it's not worth it to create a new account, then you didn't really lose much. So <laughs> If it's not worth it for you to create a new account, then it can't possibly be that big of a deal.
1: That is what I like about muting, though. If you mute someone, um, Mm -hmm. they can keep going on into their void, but you don't have to see any of it. It's it's beautiful.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I did that for a while. And on Twitter, it still shows the, like, oh, you muted this person. And then it's just like, okay. Then it's like, okay, well, am I curious enough to see what they're saying sort of thing? And so blocking just Mm. kind of takes away that... uh, that temptation
1: yeah it's just the only thing about blocking is it can like it can become a game for some people oh
0: i know i know but then i i thought you know there's several layers to this what's really interesting is so i thought for a while that muting instead of blocking was this sort of like you know kind of like oh yeah well because i don't want them to be to get the satisfaction of me blocking them Mm -hmm. but then i realized that the only reason i didn't want that was because of how I was concerned it would reflect on me to people who saw the screenshot of, like, oh, they blocked me. And then that would make other people think that I'm sensitive or something. But then I realized, like, oh, wait, the true not giving a fuck (laughs) is not even caring if (laughs) other people would think that I'm sensitive. Like, you don't know what a block means. Like, Mm. you don't know. If I block somebody, it could be over, like, literally nothing. You don't know if it, like, got to me right? Like there's very few things that get to me at all, right? So if you want to mm. pretend you have that satisfaction, if you want to be like, oh, wow, it looks like I really got him with this one and not just like, oh, I found you stupid and annoying and I just blocked you. That's <laughs> fine. And I, I I realized at this point that because I care less about what people think of me, now I'm blocking more. Does that make sense?
1: No, that does make sense. Yeah. I've not really thought about it like that. Yeah,
0: I, The only reason I wasn't blocking before is because I was concerned about the idea of people thinking like how it looks. of yeah. how it looked for someone to block something, but now I just literally don't give a shit. So it's kind of funny mm. how it like wraps back around into itself. Yeah, maybe that
1: maybe that is the answer. Yeah, yeah, mm. yeah interesting. Yeah.
0: <laughs> All right, that was a good question, and I guess it's time for a recommendation. It is Ralph's turn, and he shared uh, the recommendation for the next episode with us. So uh, we're just mm-hmm. gonna read it. Mean Girls, 2004. Mm, uh, interesting. And so, yeah, Ralph Ralph says he should be back uh, for the next episode. And I haven't seen this since it came out, probably. <laughs> so this will be really interesting. I've
1: never seen it in full. You've I've never, never seen actually it seen full. it in full. So I've just yeah. seen like bits and pieces. So, yeah, this should be interesting.
0: I remember when I was in either junior high or high school. And I, I don't necessarily remember like a whole lot about the the movie itself, but I remember it as being the movie that everyone had seen. I'd be like, wow, everybody just saw mm-hmm. this movie. Yeah. It is one of those. Like yeah. I don't, I didn't know a single person that hadn't seen mean, mean girls. Yeah. So this'll be really interesting. Yeah, All be. right. Uh, Thank you so much for listening. If you want to support the show, go to sardonicast.com uh, sign up for premium. It's only $2 a month. You'll get these episodes as they're edited. You'll get them early. Also, Patreon.com/sardonicast that does the same thing. If you don't want to be spoiled for Mean Girls, watch it before the next episode comes out. These episodes comes out. Brrr, these episodes come out every uh, two weeks. <laughs> and uh, we got merch. Uh, link in the description. There's a Sardonicast Highlights channel. Uh, you could you should subscribe to that on YouTube as well. Uh, there's highlights from the podcast. Did I forget anything? I have no idea. No,
1: we good. We good. We good. We did All it. All
0: right. Um, thanks for listening, everybody. Bye-bye. Yeah, take care, everyone. Bye. Shrek something. Bye.